Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 79 of the Spoiler Cast. Uh, I'm your host, Dan, and I'm joined here by Allie. Hello, children. Are you ready for the sadness hour? Bera? Uh, we're going to be not nice to an intellectual property for the first time in a bit. <laughs> and Tristan? I wanted to do a JoJo's podcast, but fuck it! Ellie needs closure! Uh, the spoiler cast is your look at what we've been playing or experiencing. Uh, we are going to uh, rip it from start to finish. Um, talk about... You yeah. have been warned. <laughs> um, today's game is The Last of Us Part 2. Um, this is exciting because it's one of the few games that we talked about the previous game on this very show and are now talking about the sequel many years later. Um... I also, if I can yeah. jump in really quick, um, I heartily recommend for those of you playing the home game to go back and actually re-listen to our Last of One, Last of Us One podcast um, because I'm going to actually be referencing back to that a lot um, because there's a lot to this game that I feel a lot of my experience of this game is tempered by my expect expectations based on the original so i do recommend you go back and find it you can find us actually dan where can you find us <laughs> well cast? tristan you can find it on spoilermedia.net um or you can just find it on about every uh podcast service out there itunes spotify stitcher google play including the one you right, found this well, episode you found it somewhere now here's a bunch of other places <laughs> to find it yep so um, and yeah, I, I also listened back to that original cast and, uh, it was interesting to me because I think our experiences, Tristan, while they may not be exactly polar opposites of our experiences at the last one, um, I feel like they're, we've kind of role reversed a little bit, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get further in. Um, and I'll leave a, uh, timestamp as to when this, our discussion of Last of Us Part Two starts. Because um, I think we're going to talk a little bit about it, other stuff we've been up to. It's been a little while since we've had a cast, so um, let me just shuffle random names and say Barra. Uh, yeah, so what have I been up to? Well, my union was uh, engaged in a uh, pretty, bo pretty big fight to save our uh, printing press. Sadly, we did not uh, we did not succeed in that, but we did succeed in getting some good severance for folks. So that was um, that felt good. And then you know also the struggle for you know workers' rights and uh, local news continues. So stay tuned. Uh, I believe that thing was supposed to was about to launch right before we did our last cast, and then the struggle happened in the interim. So it, it's been a while. Uh, but in terms of other stuff that I've been up to uh, video game wise, uh, I, I finished Crash. Crash continues to be great. Uh, I am very excited for the for the sequel to it. Uh, and there's also a mo I can't believe I'm plugging this, but there is especially for them giving me no money. But I've been playing this mobile game that's actually good as a game. Uh, let's call. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of this. It's called like 1945 Air Force. And what it essentially is is it's like a scroll down like you remember those arcade games where you're like piloting a plane and then there's just like all these enemies and you basically have to die it's top down bullet hell type thing yeah yeah 
So it's like that on your phone and lots of levels, lots of eddies, etc. You could totally see how they like, you know, take advantage of people because it is a very slow grind to upgrade your stuff, get new planes, etc. But if you just put no money into it and grind through it and stuff, uh, it, it it is fun. It, it gives you that old school arcadey experience. There's a lot. The bosses are really interesting. It's hard as heck. Uh, and yeah, so it's, while not a perfect game and definitely the, uh, freemium situation is really, uh, is definitely built into the DNA of it. Just like getting to play a game like that on your phone, especially since it's like a little three minute burst. So if you have like just a, a second and you want to try to like make a run, it feels good. Uh, so that's mostly what I've been playing in terms of that. Uh, I'm almost done with my rewatch of Avatar as well, which game is good. That show is so good and... At some point, I think we really should Avatar cast, and we won't be shitting on something because that's imperfect. Uh, but yeah, that's what I've been. Th mm -hmm. Those are the that's the things happening. Oh, and baseball is back. Um, uh, go Yanks! Baseball. Yeah. I, I I hate to be one of those one of those guys, but like it is kind of nice to have sports back in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> like I found myself um, in the car the other day listening to the Celtics scrimmage. <laughs> <laughs> a completely meaningless basketball game on my car radio anyway no listening to baseball on on the radio on the radio is so fun again and like i've missed it because that's one of my favorite driving activities or summer activities is just to have the game on and yeah so i've uh i've it, it's it's good that it's back we'll we'll see how long that lasts but for now baseball Look, it's good to, it's okay to admit that you finally run out of true crime podcasts to listen to during the pandemic and that you're desperate for entertainment. <laughs> you don't have to pretend to like sports. It's okay, America. <laughs> um, speaking of um, mobile games, Tristan, what have you been up to? So I've not been playing very much in terms of console stuff, um, mainly because I'm in the middle of getting a new monitor slash TV slash second display. Um, and I think I've pretty much settled on one of the new uh, Sony oh, OLEDs. Nice. They are, they look gorgeous and they're finally small enough to actually fit on my desk. Um, yep. So I'll probably be picking that up. For those of you who haven't, who haven't been following along, um, my TV, I, I think I've narrowed it down. I've been getting nauseous while playing games on my mm. current monitor, and I think it's because it's so old it can't keep a constant refresh Ooh. rate, which is... Th it also hasn't had the right cropping for a while, and it's not 4K, so it's definitely time to replace it, especially with like the PS5 coming out at some point. Um, so you're really... And I've narrowed it down... It, you're really buying the monitor then to future... Well, I've narrowed it down bit. to my... Mo Right. Um, and I've de definitely narrowed it down to my monitor because gaming on my on my PC monitor doesn't gotcha. do it to me. And I found it happening on games that previously never mm. did that to me. So I haven't been playing too much while I'm waiting to, like, switch out stuff, uh, which is good uh, because so last episode I mentioned a little thing called Fate Grand Order. <laughs> what is Fate Grand Order? I thought that was an anime. So, so I thought it was okay. an anime about like not... busty 
female versions of historical characters. Barra, you are not wrong. This is now. This is not a fate fate podcast because, dear God, that would go on for like twenty hours and would make zero sense. Um, so the basic premise of the fate universe is that mages summon the spirits of historical figures, great heroes, into one of seven different classes and duke it out over the Holy Grail. And whoever wins the fight gets the Grail and can make a wish. That is, that is like, the simple, basic synopsis of the So what you're saying series. is it's twisted metal, but instead of cars and sweet tooth, it's the Holy Grail and anime babes as historical figures. Right. Uh, so the big the big draw of fate really are the characters. Uh, you've got the different wizards, but it's mostly like seeing, oh my god, it's Kakulet, and like characters are actually terrified of him because he's basically Irish Hercules. Um, also, never forget that all of fate started with a porn game. <laughs> oh, that's right. We talked about this last time, didn't Type we? Type Moon would was it on the. Type Moon would have you forget that. Was it on the Was it on the cast or because off the cast that we had that conversation last time? It, it was probably. I think it was <laughs> okay. off the cast. Um, but never forget that, despite however much legitimacy the Fate series has gained, never forget it all started with a porn game, um, a dating sim essentially. Um, but there are tons of anime regarding it. Uh, Fate Grand Order is the mobile game. It is a gotcha game wherein you have rolls and randomized loot. Um, and god damn it, would they, if they would just stop having fun events, I could take a break. Um, I, I've hit the point in the main storyline, which is like the first real uh, difficulty spike. Um, but luckily, there's an event going on, which is letting me level up all of my characters super far. I've also, I have also spent money on it, and I have stopped spending okay. money on it. Be, uh, because I have the, what may in fact be the weirdest gotcha luck ever. So, so when you start the game, uh, you are given a very, very generous first roll on the gotcha wheel, basically, uh, to make sure you have at least one decent character. Like, you, you are guaranteed to get at least one of a certain roster of good characters when you start the game. Uh, and I happened to roll two copies of Hercules, who is one of the best starting characters and also uh, a long time anime sort of stand in as just this unstoppable fucking beast and dear god he's great he does so much damage it's incredible um, and I got two of him so I was able to boost up his, his super move which was great and then I got nothing for like a month until 
it wasn't until uh, they're like, hey, it's our anniversary, like our three-year anniversary. Here, have a gotcha that is guaranteed to give you a five-star, like, super rare character that I finally got something. To put this in, to put this in perspective, so so in in Fate Grand Order, uh, you have characters and you have sort of attaches for those characters, like equipment, abilities, stuff like that, uh, and they are rated from one star, which is the most common, to five stars, which is the most rare. I am still missing four star characters for two of the seven classes. And I've been playing this game almost nonstop. But to put things in perspective, so while I'm missing four-star characters, or even five-star characters from two whole classes, I had a single gotcha pull that gave me three five-star attaches, and they were three copies of the same one. I mean, it's not... My luck on the poll is the weirdest thing I have ever seen. I mean, isn't that sort of, that that poll should be impossible? Isn't that sort of how those games work, though? I mean, kind of the 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 system kind of starts out in a positive light and kind of duplicates and kind of provides long periods of time without. I haven't I haven't like fully researched the psychology. I know there's a psychology behind the build of those things, which is a pretty morbid thing to watch, but. Oh, it's very morbid. Um, the thing is that you don't not you don't have to do polls with money. You earn the currency for doing polls by playing through the main storyline. And because I really lucked out at the beginning, I've been able to really rush through a lot of the story. Um, for, so for those of you who, who are listening who know Fake Grand Order... Um, in less than a month, I have gotten all the way into Camelot, into the Camelot arc. Hey, Barra, you know you know a couple of our listeners um, who are into it, right? Into fate. Into fate, right? Uh, you mean in Ypsilanti, Michigan? That's right. Yep. <laughs> I mean, oh, they love it in Ypsilanti. They see, so they were really into fate, but then they actually did start dating. But for, for you know, they had wearing this "will you, won't you" thing for a long time. <laughs> then they were dating. But then um, uh, they unfortunately are on a break at the moment uh, because one of them really liked the last Vampire Weekend album and the other thought it was really, really bloated and terrible. Oh my God. And they were just like, listen, I can live with, ma- I can make many compromises in Ypsilanti, but not being compatible over Vampire Weekend's last uh, offer means we should perhaps start seeing other people and then see if we want to start seeing each other again. Oh my Lord. <laughs> Wow, sorry. I'm so sorry, Tristan, <laughs> to, to 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 completely dismantle that conversation. No, but we, when you mentioned we, to when you mentioned to our, know. our listeners, I had to go there. No, we need we need to know what's going on in Gippsylandy. Um, but I, I've I've been still been playing a lot of Fate because they've had a bunch of really fun events, and and the events are where this game really shines because, like I said, what. The big draw for Fate are its characters. Um, and the events are all, like, kind of lighthearted and goofy. Um, the first the first event I did is 
based on I mentioned before that there's an official like manga starter guide for people who are new to it. Uh, the first event I got into was actually done entirely in that style. Uh, and the and like the final the big bad is actually a twisted version of you that is that embodies all of the cancerous player elements of the fate community. That's shockingly self-aware. Oh, it's super self-aware. Also, that boss fight is a bitch because it's basically a uh, not you versus nine characters. Like, not just NPCs, but like like actual other characters, other servants, in basically a boss rush. That fight is ludicrously brutal. Sounds like you got your hands full with fake Grand Order. Oh, yeah. I don't want to know how many hours I put in. Speaking of people putting hours into things, uh... <laughs> Allie! I, I only play Final Fantasy XIV, nothing else. I'm definitely not Chocobo Racing as we're speaking right now. <laughs> no, I kid. I, uh... I finally started playing Doom 2016 yesterday. Oh, I'd nice. been meaning to for a long time, nice. but I hadn't, uh picked it up until the steam summer sale finally and yeah that game is a uh, really goddamn good yeah yeah are you are you enjoying the I ripping and enjoying. the tearing actually you know i'm having a lot of fun trying to find all the collectibles actually because i'm that kind of player oh the, the collectibles are so there's are so just good. lots of little um, hidey holes for everything yep have you found the doom guy minifig whom he fist uh, No, I'm not very far into the game. I think I only finished, like, the first two levels. Okay. I'm taking it kind of slow, because okay. I'm honestly just having a lot of fun exploring. I had a lot of fun exploring that one, and that one, too. The second one, too, to a degree, but... Like, when that one... When that first came out in 2016, like, there was a time, I think, where shooters were all super serious, and everything was kind of slow. And that game came out, and it was, like... I don't know. <laughs> it was like, hey, remember when right. games were good? It was like, remember, <laughs> remember when you could run it like Mach I like 2? I like that the shift button and makes you... And you carry an entire arsenal? I like that the shift button makes you, you walk slower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I, I will instinctively hold shift to run faster. No, go slow. Nope. In case you ever want to like... Yeah, Hit the reload button. In case you ever want to like dramatically walk <laughs> through an entryway or something like that. Which I've definitely done a lot. Also, I've done a lot of, like, there's just characters that talk at you in that game, and I've done a lot of, like, shaking my head yeah. and moving my head violently to agree or disagree with them. Yep. It's great fun. Now, now, Allie. Mm-hmm. You, you remember in the, first, in the first level, after you grab the combat shotgun, there's that little cutscene that plays to introduce the imp, mm -hmm. right? That imp screams at you. He is not trying to intimidate you. He is screaming, Oh fuck, oh god, he's loose. Oh god, oh fuck. Because I fucking wrecked his jealous. <laughs> I hold no sympathy for these demons. Normally I'm like, hell yeah, demons. Demons are cool. I'll summon a demon. These demons are punk-ass bitches. No, it's great. I really like the gameplay loop. The movement is just really smooth and nice. The fact that that um, uh, the chainsaw is bound to the reload button. 
Wait, what do you mean the chainsaw to is bound finish. to the reload button? So, so on console, or so for example, like on on PS on PlayStation Three, PS Four, um, the square button is traditionally in FPSs the button you hit to manually reload your weapon. In Doom Twenty Sixteen, square brings up the chainsaw, which is what you go to when you need ammo because you don't reload weapons in Doom. Because you don't reload weapons in Doom 2016. Because reloading is for <laughs> jumps. Yeah, I hit R instinctively, and I was like, wait a minute, that didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. Wait, so you, to get ammo, you just chainsaw people, and then your guns reload? Yeah. Yep. They have this whole you uh, system, Vera, where if you... Wait, I thought you played Doom 2016. I did, it's just been a while, and it was still oh, okay. great. okay, because you know how, like, you like, do glory I mean, kills that like, gives you health, chainsawing gives you, uh... Uh, ammo. Wait, what, gi what gives you health? Uh, glory kills. <laughs> and that whole system was super, they super upped the ante on that for Doom, yeah. Doom Eternal. Yeah, I really like it. It's, uh, it's just good old murder time, and I love it. Some might say they upped it a little too much in Doom Eternal, but I think I, I think I still prefer the Doom Eternal systems once you're Running, operating on all cylinders, but it's quite a lot to think about. Yeah, from what I've seen and it in comparison, you. it's a lot more to... There's a little bit of a steeper learning curve with Doom Eternal, mm -hmm. but it works out in the end. It also takes you some time to get all the pieces of the puzzle in Doom Eternal. Like, Doom Eternal is really unbalanced until you get all of the abilities... And then it meshes together beautifully. Ah, okay. I gotcha. It does, but it's, like, really hard to, for me at least, it's really hard for me to manage all of the systems sometimes while I'm in the middle of heated combat against, say, a Marauder. We see the... We see the Are those oh, the guys with the shields? Marauder. Yeah. The, and yep. the axe. The Marauder... I, I, I don't like the Marauders. Yeah, they're not, they're like not the in the first one, the right? They're not in 2016. Oh, okay. They are not. I just remember hearing people complain about them yeah. in reference to Eternal. Yep, they're not in the first one. Yeah. So the Marauder is is a very tough enemy. Uh, the, they first show up, and you have to fight one of them, and then they start showing up with other enemies. What I hate, uh, what I dislike about the Marauder is I dislike how it changes the gameplay loop. Because I feel it, it destroys the pacing. I would of the agree with that entirely. That. You Ooh, no longer—it's no longer about dancing between enemies. It's about running away and taking care of all of the other enemies first, and then the oh, and then that's no fun. And then spacing. <laughs> Doom. Yeah, spacing Doom isn't a timing. game about spacing. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I want to freeze someone with my frost grenade and then fire my flaming shotgun chain hook into them to pull me closer so I can blast them with my super shotgun. Right. Pull me closer. I want to hit them with my super shotgun. Anyway. But I'm glad you're enjoying Doom. Anywho. Yeah, it's good. And Final Fantasy XIV is treating me good. Uh, I also finally started playing... Dream Daddy, which is a lot of fun. Oh, Cute yeah. game. Oh, is that the, si is that found the, the simulator? For the Daddy Daddy Simulator. Uh, and wasn't that by the uh, by the guys? Oh, crap. The Danny Sexman and like 
the 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 grumps. The grumps. Is it good? Yeah, yeah, it's really cute. I like it a lot. It's got a good sense of humor. I made a beautiful daddy. He's so crotchety and angry and beautiful. Is it funny? It's pretty funny. It has some good moments. Um, I really love the art style in it. I think that's probably my favorite part is the art style is really cute. And all the dads are so cute. And I'm having trouble picking which one I'm going to date. They're all really good. Are you Just Dream Daddy let you date them all? Uh, I don't know if there's a foreseeable route to be dating multiple daddies. I do I do know the ending of... Go for the harem route, Allie. Go for the harem route. All true protagonists <laughs> go for the I harem mean, route. There's one dad who I'm like definitely not ever going to romance if I'm going to romance all of them because like I've got really spoiled on his plot line when the game came out and it kind of made me feel icky. Yeah, you kind of... You're kind of a home wrecker, and it's not great. No, you don't. You don't wreck homes in your fantasies. That's no. I mean, it's like kind of this weird, complicated thing. I guess I'm gonna spoil Dream Daddy right now. Everyone skip ahead. That's cool uh, with y'all. Thirty seconds, I guess. <laughs> but there's one character named Joseph who you could romance, and he's a youth pastor who's in like a pretty unhappy marriage with his wife, and like. A lot of the fandom at the time kind of gathered around and were like, yeah, we hate his wife. She's such a bitch. She's so mean. Ugh, she's making him be closeted. But he's also, like, not very good to her either and, like, cheats on her with you. So, like... Also, apparently there's some weird stuff about him being a cult or something in his ending. So it's also just this added strangeness of, like, ah, here's the ending that's really dark. It also happens to involve the priest man who has three really creepy children as well. Or four. Yeah. But yeah, that's Joseph is the only one who I don't ever see myself romancing. Nice. But all the others are great. I think I'll probably date... Uh, Brian, who's like a plus-size, cute, fluffy dad. And then there's Matt, who's like a coffee shop owner. Nice. But yeah. Dream Daddy. You have to keep us updated. I meant I've thought about trying that out in the past just because it got really good reviews. Um, it's super cute. Maybe I'll give it a shot at some point. Anything else? But that's Allie, what I've been up to. Uh, not playing. Uh, I recently started watching Murder She Wrote, which I'm surprised I never nice. did. Um, it's really fun. It's definitely like you got to go into some episodes being like, ah, this is an old show. It's kind of <laughs> yeah. dated. But I got really excited because an actor from who I'm, uh, blah, 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 I can't talk right now, <laughs> who I'm familiar with is on a Babylon 5 as a reoccurring character. So I'm like, oh my god, it's Zach from Babylon 5! Nice. But it's really cute and sweet and fun and surprisingly like full of way more like drama and intrigue and intense moments than I thought it would be. Like it kind of always just appear to be really goofy yep. and silly, but it's, it's actually really good. I'm glad I started watching it. Super cute. Well, I guess cute's not the right word. Delightful. It's a delight. It is a delight. Angela Lansbury is a delight. Yes, she is. But uh, that's what I've been up to. Nice. I'll, I'll quickly go through what I've been up to. Um... Because I played a bunch of stuff. 
Um, I finished Red Dead Redemption 2, finally. Yay! Um, oh, that's interesting you mentioned that. Uh, so Lexi's a huge Red Dead fan, and she just downloaded it onto my machine, so I'll have things to say about it probably soon. Honestly, if, if it gets there, and if you're playing playing through the game, and we end up getting there, like... I wouldn't be against doing a cast for it at some point. Um, is it is the story worth it? I think I, it's definitely a very castable game for sure. I will say this: that like one thing that you all might not know is that I'm actually really love a good western, mm -hmm. and so I've never played the Red Dead games, but I and I have not spoiled myself on Red Dead Two, but I've heard it's great. And yeah, if a game delivers me a good western storyline, then I'm I'm very much down for it. Because, cause yeah, I mean, like, Once Upon a Time in the West and some of the old Eastwood movies, like, you know, of course, you know, like, uh, High Noon, that's, it's like, a good Western, Little Big Man, uh, yeah, there's, uh, I will list off a number of them, but I love <laughs> a good, solid Western, so this intrigues now, me. Now, now, Bera, quick question. In your opinion, would Western slash supernatural horror be the most criminally underutilized genre in fiction? It really depends on what the format is and what the time period is. Um, Western for like my our parents' generation was like incredibly saturated, um, both in books and in television and in movies. Now it's hardly anything. In terms of supernatural horror, I think that right now we're kind of reaching a golden age of both. I mean, there have always been horror movies, but I don't think you have ever seen a point in history where horror movies are this boat are this have this much like critical acclaim and popular cachet. Like they are yeah. firmly of interest, and I think one of the fascinating things about that, and it's also interesting because we've been watching a lot of different horror stuff, is is that horror movies are at this point one of the few consistent genres where there's a lot of new intellectual property that comes into theaters okay. regularly. Um, like horror, there are lots of movie horror movies with sequels, but there's also a lot of new horror IP in many ways because you have studios like Blumhouse, which you know allow people to have that creative freedom, and also because like you know I think it's not the most expensive thing to make a lot of horror movies. So like sure, let's go with an actual screenplay here. Because I think there's a lot of untapped potential in the combination of the frontier, the unknown yeah. frontier. Oh, you mean combining the two of them? Combining yeah, the two. Yeah, a supernatural yes. western is, I mean, we also saw Briscoe County Jr., and I'm sure we all loved it. Um, but yeah, you don't see a ton of that. Yeah. Like, like, it seems like such a perfect pairing. You know, you have like a small group of settlers who have come to this, you know, come to settle and build a town in this land after they forced out the local native population. And the native population is like, you shouldn't be here. This land is cursed. And like, sure, guys, sure. Here, have some blankets. Uh, we're terrible people. And then they settle. And yeah, they should have listened. Or... Or they're digging a mine or digging a tunnel for a, a railroad and unearth something that was meant to be buried. I mean, you know, we have a pandemic. Alright, the pirate literally just got me uh, a bubble a iced tea and a uh, and a poke bowl, so I am in love right now. 
Okay. So yeah, and yeah, that's going to be sickening when I hear it ten years from now. I'm sure, um, but also very sweet. Uh, uh, <laughs> thank you, honey. It's actually funny you say that because the original Red Dead Redemption had an expansion called Undead Nightmare. Yep, which was zombies. Right. That's why I was trying to. That's why I was trying to connect it to, but. I still think the two genres are criminally yeah. undercombined. And in that one, I'm looking up the plot line because I admittedly never played the expansion, though I did beat the original Red Dead main story. It is somewhat about it. It's about um, the Aztec and Aztec curse. Um, that doesn't make any yeah. sense. <laughs> Why would there be an Aztec? So because that's how you get zombies. Aztec curse, yo. Yeah. But uh, Red Dead Redemption Two, very long. Very slow, so... Full of horse poop. Full of horse poop. Lots of horses pooping all over the place. You'll be in, you'll be in a cutscene and your horses will just be pooping in the background. Like right next to you. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's not quite as awkward as when there's like a floating pickup in the middle of a cutscene because you didn't get it before you started the cutscene and the power-up's just there floating while you're having this dramatic moment but uh um so that's good um i've still played through last of us 2 which we're going to talk about um i'm starting two ga- i'm starting to play through two games monster hunter is one um on a couple friends recommendation um playing with them so for, usually four players online almost done with the main the main game alley the original Monster Hunter. Yay! Um, and it's a lot easier now because um, they give you basically give you an armor that allows you to waltz through the entire main quest before you get oh, to Iceborne. Oh, yeah, it's freaking great. Yeah. So we're not really having to learn some of the <laughs> some of the upgrade stuff and farming stuff, so I think it's going to be a rude awakening when we do get to Iceborne content, but we're, we're getting You'll through it. You'll be fine. Um, I also started uh, playing Paper Mario, the Origami King, just because... Oh, how is that? People have been posting about Paper Mario, so I didn't know there was a new game. There is. And it is okay. Uh, it is... <laughs> Let me tell you it's how okay it is. No, it's... Um, I think there's a lot of people out there who have a ex- certain expectation for Paper Mario because the first two Paper Marios were RPGs, like turn-based, very traditional RPG. I thought that was Paper Mario's whole deal. It's like an RPG, but with Mario. Um, sort of. So it was the deal for the first two games, and then they really started to branch out, either ditching the RPG concept entirely or providing a simplified slash unique take on RPG mechanics. So, like, there was a game called Super Paper Mario, which was more of a platformer, where you just... The conceit of that was you could switch between 2D and 3D, and it was actually really, really cool. I've heard that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's a good one. Then they had a couple in the middle there, which I didn't really play too much. Um, one of them is called Sticker Star, and one of them is called Color Splash. I don't even know what Color Splash is about. Sticker Star is like RPG, but very, very light. Um, I don't There's know, also a Thousand Year Door as well. Yeah, so that's one of the yeah. So the first two are Paper Mario and Paper Mario Thousand Year Door. And those are the ones, like, I think when a lot of people think fondly on Paper Mario, 
they're really thinking about those first two and probably specifically Ali that one a thousand years yeah because it was so it was like a refinement of all of the best parts of the original but it also had like really really cool funny characters it was really well written um, which paper a, Mario is this one called the thousand year door nice it was a, so game, it had a good game. so a really good story then yeah it did and the thing about paper Mario's as well which again I haven't played those two in the middle but I assume they're also part of this is they're all very very funny games um, yeah they have really good sense of humor yeah really really good writing and a really good localization team like I get the feeling that the writing and the story and the, between um, regions is entirely different because like everything is so like you know obviously there's differences in translation that's why you have localization teams you can't just literally take you know translate Japanese into English or anything like that so but the, the, it feels it feels very natural in a way that I feel like they're just totally <laughs> abandoning a lot of the... They must be abandoning a lot of the story points and just telling different stories. Um, which is very funny games. And, like, funny in a Pixar way, where it's, like, funny for all audiences. Like, for me, what I think is interesting about you talking about lo localization is that what Mario is... And it's it's a Japan's conception of what, at least in terms of the lore that we get, maybe it's not that. Which is my understanding, it's Japan's conception of what like an Italian American plumber would be, and then it's fed back to us from that. Although in Japan, is is Mario Italian or no? Like in in the localization, or is that just localized to us where he's Italian? I honestly don't know. Um. I believe well. So if we go back to I, to like Donkey Kong, he's from New York. Mm -hmm. He's Italian American, right? Yeah. But Mario, a lot of his con a lot of Mario's characterization though is based on limitations with graphics at the time when Donkey Kong came out. Like, the reason why he has a mustache is because they wanted to put something, some pixel on his face to make it look like just not a square, like a yellow square. And like the reason he has overalls is because they needed to try to make the shirt and pants look interesting with the limits of the amount of pixels they could put on a character. So I don't know what came first. I don't know if the Italian American came first or the <laughs> or the, the limitations came first, but <laughs> here we are. They gave him a mustache and said, This guy's Italian American. Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. Here I go again. Um, and finally, uh, the other thing I want to call it, which has been really, really fun, is um, my wife has played some Animal Crossing. My wife. My wife has played, has played some Animal Crossing, which has a lot of Animal Crossing, which has gotten her a little bit more into, like, I, would, I would, still wouldn't consider her, like, She's not like a hardcore gamer or anything, but she it has opened up her her appetite to try other things. And recently, she actually asked to try Breath of the Wild. So I've been Ooh, so even that's like Dan's numero uno. Yeah, exactly. I was like, you don't have to tell me twice. So we've been um, we've been going through that a little bit, and that's been really really fun and interesting to to experience. Like 
just how differently you can approach things in that game is real cool. And it's also fascinating to understand that that jump... I, I, I watched a video recently where somebody said games that are like quote-unquote two-dimensional, meaning like up, down, left, right only, um, like Animal Crossing's up, down, left, right, games that don't have that third dimension to worry about, like jumping or verticality, sell way better than 3D games. And the reason is there's such a there's such a gap in gameplay acumen between 2D and 3D games. Uh-huh. Well, like, especially for people who didn't grow up playing games during the those weird transitional periods between 2, 2D and 3D. And it's been really interesting because the th- third dimension is tough, but specifically the camera is such uh-huh. a challenge. And it's something that, like, when I play a game, I just instinctively... My finger is on that right trigger. Or the right trigger. That right stick. Yeah, and right stick is camera. And I'm moving my character. I'm moving the camera. It's basically an extension of my movement, right? Like, okay. I'm moving my character, but I'm moving the camera to get a good look at things while I'm moving my character. So if I'm going to go around a corner, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to whip my finger on the right stick to get an angle. With somebody who's new to that experience is like not instinctive and the camera's really bad if you're not always controlling it in a lot of these games oh dear well like i said like, like i said we had to we had to learn through that i remember like when ps1 games would come out and be like to turn to turn the camera use l1 and r1 like what like zelda right and, and zelda does not help you like it, if she starts running up a cl- up, up a hill, like the camera won't kind of shift so that you can kind of see what's up the hill. It'll just kind of you'll be looking at the hill. <laughs> and she'll, it's 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 pretty crazy, um, but it's been a lot of fun, and I don't want to spend too much more time on it because um, I know we want to get to this Last of Us discussion. But uh, no, I mean it's, it's really. I mean I know how the Breath of Wild like isn't it like your favorite game of all time at this point, Dan? Uh, I don't know about that, but it's up there. I, I know that you spent so much time with it and love that exploration element, and I can't imagine how much fun it must be to like share that with Ash. Yeah, it's yeah, a lot, it's of, lot fun. of fun. Yeah, no, because uh, because yeah, no. So I, I'm 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 happy for it because it's uh, that's, yeah, yeah. it's a cool experience when you get to share a story or a piece of media with someone that you care about a lot. Yep. It's also pretty funny because like I'm used to like sizing up enemies, and she'll just charge head on at anything. Like, I love it. She'll, she'll, we stand. Yeah, she'll just be like, like uh, if you're familiar with Breath of the Wild, she comes across a guardian that's like on its legs, and she just started the game. <laughs> she just runs right at it head first, starts slashing its legs. <laughs> that was me in the Lionels. I was like, oh, it's a big kitty yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Yep. Yeah, I, she didn't beat it, but it was still pretty funny. Have I told so the she story? is powerfully brave. Yeah. Have I told the story about my first encounter with a Lionel in Breath of the Wild here? Maybe. No. So I fought a breath of the a Lionel in Breath of the Wild way too early. Yeah. It took me about like an hour. <laughs> it used yeah. up all of my resources. And I finally beat him. I was like, oh. Oh thank God, that's finally done with. And then ten seconds after I beat him, blood moon. Oh yeah. Yes, you told us the story. Yeah. I do remember this now. <laughs> I'm just like, no! No! <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. 
that's enough. That's enough for me about the various goings on. Shall we? Uh, no. We, yeah, we got Shall a game to destroy. No. All right. So, Last of Us, Part Two. The long-awaited sequel to The Last of Us from Naughty Dog, um, creators of such lovely games as the game Bearer was previously talking about, and Crash. Crash Bandicoot Warp, specifically. Um, I mean, I, the other Crash games are good, but Warp was uh, what I was playing. And yeah, yeah, Warped is awesome. Um, and uh, Uncharted as well. Jack and Daxter series. Um, this is their latest title. Uh, if you're listening to it now, we're, we're recording this cast, like, it's a couple weeks, a few weeks after the game's come out now, so you may have already see, played it, beaten it, um, you may not have, um, but you've probably seen some sort of conversation around it, so we're going to add to that conversation today. Um, definitely a very divisive game. Maybe, maybe just people hate on it, I don't know. Most of the, most of the stuff I see online is that people are hating on it. Um, I've seen a mix of the two. Um, but quite a mix of the two. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there will be differing opinions here as well. Um, uh, most of us here have played through it, or at least watched a full playthrough. Correct? Correct? Yeah. All I've seen I, is little, um, uh, little bits of Lexi playing it, um, and also just getting some of her her thoughts on the game too. Gotcha. Which she may chime in at some. Cool. Nice. But yeah, but so I'm probably going to be the one asking the four questions here. The four questions. <laughs> my my experience with it is, uh, I said off the podcast, but because it was the zeit part of the zeitgeist, and I wasn't planning on playing it anytime soon, I went ahead and read everything I could about it, and um, I've also been watching some of the. Uh, excuse me. I had a hiccup there. Uh, let's play from Geek Remix on it because I really like their content and they usually have like a really good, uh, like spin, not spin, but like critique of the things they play coming from like a queer women, women's perspective, which is, I think, really vital in this game because from what I have experienced as of you, like, I'm basically watching it like it's a movie, yep. which is really interesting because I think ultimately. It would work. It's one of these games that would just work better as a movie, yeah. like, to be so honest. My experience was I played through most of it and couldn't be asked to finish it. So I watched someone else play. Basically, I found the episode where they pick off, pick up where I left off. And I will say it was way more enjoyable watching someone else play it than having to play it myself. Yeah, that's kind of the impression I've been getting from a lot of reviews, even reviews that are like, it's a really fun game in terms of its gameplay loop and its environment and its design, but it just makes me sad to play. So that... 10 out of 10. Is, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah it, is, it is pretty amazing to me that the game is getting the reviews that it's getting. Like, It's not surprising to me. Typically when games... It's not surprising to me. It's what? It's not surprising, it's not surprising to me surprising at yet. all. Uh, because... <laughs> Basically, all games journalism right now is just a uh, weird extension of every studio's marketing campaign. Yeah. Which is not what you will get here. For those of you who are new to us, yeah. we at the SpoilerCast, we do not get pre-release copies. We do not get invited to any events. We do not get any sponsorship deals. Everything you're going to hear from this is our own 
honest to god opinions. Plus, yep. I mean, our listeners in Ypsilanti would be very disappointed. Well, I mean, guys, this is a bad time to tell you that I'm actually getting paid by the, the by the Illuminati for everything I've ever said. <laughs> Shit. Timing. Uh, no, we're not supposed to tell them about that. We talked about <laughs> it at the meeting. Wait, you guys have <laughs> meetings? Um, Ali, I actually think that's a really good place to get started, though, is to talk about, because I I think when I listen to or watch a lot of the reviews or even read a lot of the reviews for the game, I think they tend to be like 20 to 25 minute long reviews or something if they're videos or podcasts. Well, also, a and lot of journalists always... were expressly prohibited from talking about the second half of the game. Right. Yeah, like a good, like, what, 50% of the game or something they were told they Bullshit, couldn't discuss, right. which is... It's well, really be, bad. But, like, but they have no choice. Really, Otherwise, really bad. they'll get blacklisted and won't get any pre-release copies ever again or invited to any events. I'll say this as someone who is, like, a... who and. To be fair, you know, I've I've never I've done entertainment journalism before. I actually ran that my in one of the weeklies I worked for. I was in charge of the entertainment page, but I've never been to the point. And but I've but that's kind of even though like I've done things where I've done like plenty of tickets to review concerts, etc. That's very bizarre to me that they would have that amount of restriction on story con- of how you review story content because like. Really, you know, when I read, when I want, when when I do a review, I'm assuming that like someone is going to be able to speak to that. And I think a lot of times mm-hmm. people give a spoiler warning, or they'll only tell little bits of what the end game of it is. And a lot of times, the reviewer for like, especially movie and stuff, you're gonna gravitate towards people who are either mo- who are either more keen to talk about end game stuff. Or less key, or less keen. That's almost a part of the brand. So, like, to just cut off that seems because right, right, Bera. It seems it, it doesn't really seem weird. like a good way to tell a narrative right. to but review Bera, a narrative. Here's the thing, because the way it works is that the studios will give out advanced co- review copies because as soon as the review embargo and don't even get me fucking started on review embargoes and that whole bullshit. Because, but as soon as the review embargo lifts, you need to get your review out, because that's what drives hits. If your review is not one of the first ones out there, you will not get as many hits, which means you won't get as much traffic, which means people won't see the ads, so you won't get money. And if you don't rate a game well or follow the developer's bullshit demands, they will blacklist you, and you, they won't get review copies anymore. And then you won't be able to get your reviews out as soon as possible. So you won't get the the views. So you won't get the traffic. And then there's the additional, you know, kick in the fucking teeth of, oh, if our game doesn't review well, exactly. our staff doesn't get paid. The bonus exactly. that they were promised. Which is absolutely, I mean, that's like a whole other conversation, which is absolutely Spoilers, this industry is fucking Can garbage. Can you imagine... Can you, Can you imagine, imagine if movies did that? I mean, do movies no. do that? I don't no, know. I'm that no, ignorant. I'm going to tell you a big right. difference, though. Hollywood is a giant union town, and right, like right. people have like minimums that they get paid, whereas is that um, the video games is a labor relations hellscape. 
Right. Uh, yeah. Like, if you want to see what a union does, it's like make it so that you get paid even if your bad movie does crap or and or like have like your basic I mean I didn't know that like reviews were tied to people's bonuses that's insane that to me is just like clearly another way of people exploiting their workers and that's awful yeah I've um and I'm gonna say this with a big grain of salt and if you don't believe me it's fine but I know some people who've worked at uh, 2k and they've said that exact thing of something we made didn't get reviewed well and we got denied bonuses right and if anybody wants to come and fact check that with me, I'm totally fine. My DMs are open. It's absolutely ridiculous, especially with teams that that large. I mean, I, I sh- I'm sorry. I shouldn't even add caveats. It's ridiculous. Um, period. Uh, I don't care if your team is 10 people right. or 100. It's ridiculous. No, people should be paid for their labor. Um, and yeah, it's just like, and if people are complaining about not getting a bonus because of, rev- of a review, that tells me that like that that uh i mean that 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 clearly tells me that like the folks are not getting uh, getting fair compensation like that tells me the bonus isn't a bonus a bonus right. is like oh the pay that you were that you right. need to build into your life for it to make in sense other to related life. news uh metacritic is updating their terms of service and uh users cannot post reviews until 72 hours after launch yeah. Which I think is a good thing overall, but also it doesn't really impact at least my like uh, this might just be me, but I've never been a person to look take at stock aggreg- to take Scott to take <laughs> stock in both metacritic um reviews, but also especially like player reviews like an aggregate like that. Like I tend to, yeah, I tend same. to find people I agree with, who review things and just watch their stuff. Right. Except that yeah. their stuff. The internet is just full of so many toxic people that can, uh, that can skip, that can just like really just like milk uh, audience review systems. That, I don't like, trust. I just don't trust them. any review systems. Right. Yeah. Systems anymore, at all, is what it comes down to. Uh, yeah. The problem though is that Metacritic is that system by which all of these games and people's uh, attached bonuses are measured. Um, agreed. It is some um, bullshit. Sh- shifting a little... It, speaking of bullshit, let's talk about The Last of Us 2. <laughs> well, I, I before we go too much further into Last, Last of Us 2, I do want, I want to talk about that as it relates to Last of Us 2 again with the journalism element, is that I think... There's a difference between, like, you can't talk about a certain thing, and here's a whole bunch of restrictions that are really vague and hard to understand. <laughs> okay, now go ahead and review this game. Yeah, like, I can understand if they said, like, you can talk about this thing, but try to be vague about it, as opposed to, oh, this whole other chunk of the game that is a part of our game... Oh, you can't what's talk that? About you it. gave our game an eight. Hey, can we have a chat about that? Not through any official channels. Also, we're gonna be talking to your supervisor about your review too, and how we vehemently right. disagree with your review. Well, I mean, I think another thing is is that like, I mean, the one thing where I could see that is a somewhat reasonable request, and even then, like, forbidding is just like, just like says Ryan would be like if there is a plot twist, and it's just like. 
please don't spoil the endgame plot twist, but half of the game is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Right, I was gonna say, and this, assu this assumes that, like, half of an entire game is a plot twist, which just isn't yeah. fair to the review process. Also, I feel like, like you said, Vera, like, if you just set that guideline, like, hey, just so you know, we don't want people to know about Abby, Abby's storyline, like, too much, but you can talk about, like, the gameplay mechanics and all the other stuff, like, it just feels like that's not the way this was handled, based on the feedback I've yeah. heard from a lot of reviewers out there. No, and I mean, and this like, is, to be fair, this is just new for me, so we could there could be some other different stuff being played. So, you know, I could learn other stuff to change my mind, but just, like, my in, my instinct on this is just, like, you know, you want, like, if you want good content, if you want reviews that are, it really just, like, you know, that amount of, uh, too much restriction harms the craft of reviewing, and honestly, entertainment reviewing is important, and um, it is an art, and it's subjective, and people yeah, have their and favorite And the problem is that a lot of these because they want to get to uh, because they want to get to enjoy them um, and you know what I'm gonna throw another thing out there and it's again this may be this is beating an old dead horse but I mean I think that you can also in some ways just like you know I, this is like I think there's also you can potentially even like throw some of this at the feet of like some of like the old awful gamergate shit where it's like so much this obsession with like objectivity and like you know re and and numbers and shit where it's just like and expecting objectivity in games journalism in terms of like your opinion of what a game should be like or should be just be up my mechanics or whatever where it's just like no it's a subjective art and a subjective yeah. art deserves respect and to me this is basically not respecting it and i feel mm. like if you is cons if cons I guess the short, the round bullet, and this may be stretching, but it's something, but bear with me. If you as viewers and readers do not respect the art and the craft, then neither are the companies where this art and craft is supposed to hold people accountable and also supposed to get an idea, give you an idea of whether yes, you yes, should buy something or not. I think there's a lot of truth to what you said to that, Barra. Yeah, um, a, a whole lot, but um, I, have, yeah, Barra, I have a feeling Barra, Tristan really wants to add to that, so that I'll let him add first. Want to be video game reviewers or video game journalists, and the vast majority of them don't. The vast majority of them see this as a stepping stone to other journalism, journalistic approaches, or at least to get their foot in a door in a company. Have you seen? Yeah. The backlash around, say, Polygon's review of Doom, and the video, and how the person playing it had apparently, by the looks of it, had never played a first-person shooter before. A lot of these reviewers don't care. They don't care about the craft because they don't see this as their job. They see this as a this is just to get my foot in the door. There is, there is I mean, what is the context of that person getting put on the Doom review, though? Were they just assigned it, or did they ask for it specifically? Because I can see, honestly, a really valid reason for having somebody who hasn't played an FPS play something that is so venerated amongst FPS players. Like, oh, hey, this is what it's like to play an FPS for the first time if you're not a hardcore FPS player. I think that's a valid viewpoint. Yeah, I mean, I could. I, I think you can create a good crap. The, the one thing I'd be curious about in terms of like the different people who are reviewing these the mode is that you know 
again, you know, not to pull out the the journalism card too much, but it's just like the stepping. St unfortunately, there really aren't that many things that you stepping stone into into journalism at this point. It's like essentially like you're in the struggle and you're doing this as a labor of love if you want to continue as like a writer. Um, you know, whatever industry that you're in. So, like, I mean, I think that there's probably some people reviewing video games who want to jump in and pro fairly fast into the community relations portion of it. But if they want to continue writing, then, like, there really isn't other journalism that they can no, no, jump in. No, no, that's necessarily no, is going to be better that they're, they're going to be able to jump into journalism, though. They're trying to jump into, into uh, marketing. Right, which is. Yeah, what Bear was saying about right. like, community which relations which is why stuff, they are right? not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If, like, if you, they if they want to, yeah, if if people are viewing this as a way to jump into marketing, except that it is a way to get into marketing, because of how the games, the games journalism industry, has become basically an extension of a studio's marketing arm, and if you are a good reviewer, quote unquote, who gives the like the Bethesda games nines and tens then, hey, maybe they'll offer me a marketing position that will pay better than this journalism position because every game studio has ludicrously bloated marketing budgets. I mean, I think that there's also a little bit... Of, I mean, I'm not necessarily sure about uh, how this works in terms of game stuff, though, but I do think it's an interesting if somebody's making that calculus that it might backfire on them and that I do know of at least one person who was a good... He, he, was a, he wasn't a journalist when I was there. I saw him on the other side. He was a good journalist who, you know, did a good job covering a certain very large company. And then there were cutbacks. And then he made an honest, ethical jump from being a, a journalist to a marketing person. And I think that one of the reasons why said company may have hired him is because he did his job. And he did, a, he did his job and he did it well. Like... Similarly, I could have probably worked for that same company at some point if some things had had worked out and stuff. So I like I think that some people may just want to hire hacks if they're poaching from the journalism world, but I think other people actually do appreciate bringing in people who are like good at their job and tough on things because that shows like a degree of like intellectual rigor and loyalty which a number of companies value. Um, so it's a gambit that may not work out for some folks. Yeah, you have to understand the video game industry is a steaming pile of fucking garbage run by assholes and abusers. If you are looking for if well, you're looking for integrity, this is not the industry for, for that. Well, that sounds like that sounds like a lot of industries, unfortunately. <laughs> but <laughs> and, and for that, by integrity, I'm not referring to be a good person. I'm being about first where like you could where necessarily, although this person isn't actually human. It's more just like um, you don't if if somebody's gonna if you see that somebody's gonna sell out their ethics and the, or be flexible with the code that they're working with in one thing then that may be problematic if you hire them on and expect them to work within the constraints and ethics and codes. And again, you know you're gonna say, the video game industry has no ethics, but the flip side of that is is that like, nobody wants to be stabbed in the back. If like you, if you hire someone on, you're hoping they don't suddenly leave for your competitor. Um, you want like, you know, loyal, like, loyalty and knowing that someone is, they're gonna do what they say they're gonna do is, is a thing.
Um, but yeah, no, it's a. But I, I the, the state. I, but I mean, just to, to tie a bow in for my end, I mean, I think if folks are complaining about the history, the the state of video game noodles, I think it's really important that a folks just continue to support people who are, you know, independent and not ad funded, and uh, and or who just create really good content, like. If you like the investigations, that um, was it Polygon or Kotaku who like who like showed the who uh, really went into Bioware and said. Uh, that was Jason Schreier, I believe, and I can't actually remember what website that got published on. It was Kotaku, but he was it Kotaku. He works for Bloomberg now, actually. Oh, that's right. I think it's Bloomberg, right? Yeah, that's that's the thing, though, Baron. I just want to jump in on this right here. The thing that is really hard about this medium is it's a medium that a lot of people scream, oh, please respect us. Video games are art. We we want to be treated with respect. But then as soon as you bring in any level of criticism that comes with evaluating art, or rather, you know, because, hey, art is subjective and uh, you can't review art objectively. There's just no fucking possible way people get upset because you didn't like the thing that I liked and didn't give it a 10 out of 10. How dare you? It's like, you want to be respected as a field of art? Then fucking suck it up and deal with the fact that art is subjective. Also, I don't you know, get, I, I, I think where it gets get, tricky uh, microtransactions with games, gambling loot boxes shoved in my face when I go to the Louvre. Yeah. I think where it gets tricky with the game industry, though, and this is, Ali, this is jumping back to one of the first things we said as we started this Last of Us conversation, is that, to, to me at least, when you're talking about a game, especially in this day and age, you're really talking about two things at once. Yeah, like, exactly. You're and Last of Us is very much a segmentation of those two things. There's the story, movie, art side of, of things. And that's not to say there's not art in game design and and th things like that. It's not what I'm trying to say. But there is a... And it's not exactly objective, but there's a somewhat objective piece to gameplay, right? Like, Yeah, I think you can say, like, on a technicality level, like, okay, this is my objective view right. on this thing, mechanics-wise. But the fact that video games are a medium that, unlike film, that you interact right. with so intimately, you can't talk about it in a, just an objective right. sense. Yep, but it's both. Like, a yeah. film, it's so easy to just... Like, films, I don't think you can talk about objectively, unless if you want to talk about, like, oh, this use of lighting and this right. other technical right. thing. But, again, games right. demand, or rather, you know, there's a certain sect of people in games, and I say this in reference to, you know, like, the gamers, that, again, they want their favorite toy... And yes, I'm going to say toy to be respected as an art form. And I do think it's an art form. But if it's an art form, it's got to come with the territory of sometimes people don't like the thing you like. Right. There, and there's been a. I mean, art. sorry. Yeah. Oh, no. So sorry. Just, just because you like. It's like. Am I going to think that somebody who likes The Last of Us 2 is a bad person? No. I might judge their taste in art a little bit, but it's the same with music. Like. Era. Yeah, I just want to say that, like, I mean, I think this goes to it, and I think well, to a lot of things that, I mean, unfortunately, 
I, I just feel that it's, and it may, I think a lot of it is also just like a really vocal, a vocal minority combined oh. with, oh, I completely, think, some yeah. really nasty uh, social media algorithms because, oh, as well, but, and the fact that, you know, a few awful people can like make a space toxic and uncomfortable for huge swaths of folks, even if that space is positive. But I do think that there is an unfortunate and an influential group of folks where they basically they are toxic and they have not grown up. And I say that yeah. as someone who like, you know, you know, doesn't that saying like growing up, it's like, you know, they like, you know, like I think play and whimsy and whatever. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like just like not having maturity, the maturity enough to like see other points of view and show kind of and show basically the ability to let other people like what they want to like mm-hmm. or not and to feel like you need to monopolize things and be catered to and that you are you have an entitlement to be nasty to people. Um, and it's really been awful. Um, yeah, so I mean, I guess that that well, yeah. Um, so, so I just want to, to 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 chime in with that, but I agree with what you're saying. Yeah, though. thank you. Again, like I believe video games are important art, and I guess I was being a little facetious when I said toy. It just it cracks me up again to see, honestly, to a certain degree, even people I know and whose opinions I respect going and saying, "Well, this thing I like is art, and I want you to treat it like that." I'm like, yeah, yeah. I agree. Oh, but Thing can't talk about those things or do that because that makes me sad and angry and I don't like it. I'm like, well, if that's that's how art works, though. Art is supposed to... And we'll get into the actual plot points of the game. And, and it is a toy. A video game is a, is, is a toy, just like, like yeah. anything. And we'll get into the plot because, like, as a story, there are lots of things that Last of Us 2 does that I don't like, mm-hmm. but before- but there are things that other people may like, and I'm not going to begrudge them that. Do I think they were executed well? I mean, if we're viewing it as a movie, sure, I guess I'm not going to give Naughty Dog my money anytime soon after all the horror stories about making the poor employees suffer to make this game. Yeah. I... Before we do get to the story points, because there's a lot to talk about there, I do want to say that, like, a lot of these reviews, because it is such a divisive and interesting thing to talk about, really focus on the story of the game and the plot points. And not a lot of the reviews really spend any time at all on the game, like the toy. You know, it's all about... Yeah, on, like, the actual mechanics of it. (laughs) Right. So I do want to maybe start there just to get it out of the way before we kind yeah. of get into the, the pieces and just quick. I've been on my soapbox enough as somebody who's only watched it and read about it and not played it. Uh, I will say one other thing, though, about the toy aspects of it, though, is just that, like, I do think from two games that we recently reviewed and loved um, that are very different is just that you can marry story and narrative with gameplay and it's beautiful. Like, you know, I mean, like, you know, Control is has great mechanics, and yeah, yeah. it works as a game. The toy aspect, and it's also integrated into this great story. Like it's hand in hand. Similarly, totally different in the spectrum. But like Man Eater, also like I don't feel like I play a game and then I watch just watch cutscenes with either of those. I feel like I am immersed, and uh, and the action that I'm in control of, like then aids and then informs whatever cutscene yeah. stuff is happening. 
I agree, Vera. I feel like I'd be really missing out on some of the enjoyment from that. Whereas The Last of Us 2, I'm like, I don't think I need to actually pick it up yeah. ever like, and play it myself. Maybe Lexi will ch- chime in this or not, but one thing that she told me as she was getting to the end of it was is that she was loving the mechanics, but like she just had no interest in the story whatsoever by the end. Yep. Yeah, that's a lot of what other reviews and like personal anecdotes from friends have come down to. And I feel like, I mean, Tristan, I, I'm really eager to hear what you have to say about that, considering you basically at one point were live blocking your experiences about the game to us in Facebook. So why don't we let Tristan start with the the gameplay so, aspect? Sure, the toy. So <laughs> when we talked about Last of Us Part One way back when, I brought up the things things I liked and things that I didn't really care for. But overall, I really liked The Last of Us, the original. Tristan, before didn't you? Wasn't it one of your? I, I looked back and I was surprised. It yeah. was one of your favorite games of the generation. So here's the thing with Last yeah. of Us Part Two. I feel with Last of Us Part Two, they backtracked on everything I loved and doubled down on everything I hated. Interesting. Um, so, so, not talking story, just talking mechanically. Um, I love how they've basically completely nerfed the listenability. One of the things in the first Last of Us was the ability to stop and listen and like track enemies through walls. Um, they nerfed the ever-loving shit out of it in Last of Us 2. Uh, and they even introduced new infected who don't show up on it. Ah, no. No, See, no good. I, I, I love that. I hated that because I really like that as a gameplay mechanic and seeing it become nigh useless um, was just like, great. That's great. Why, why would I ever want to invest points into this, basically, anymore? Um, See, I, I didn't think it was useless because, you, one, you could devote points to upgrade it, but also... I, I felt it was in like I felt it was too handholdy in the first one personally, and this one gives you enough of an outline that you're like, well, something's there, and you can kind of say, okay, this is a shambler because it's bigger or whatever. But also, I really liked how they took it off for the stalkers and sort of threw it on its head. Like you are now, sort of, you are now the prey, and I, and I thought that was a really, um, really cool. Well, take. my other big issue with this though, is that because of how, the, in my opinion, they've nerfed the listenability, um, it has created more instances where you have to go loud. I felt that the that my ability to stealth through certain sections was drastically limited in Last of Us 2 as opposed to the first one. Um, and that there were many encounters where straight-up combat was forced. Where it's just, nope, nope, you are going there straight were. into a fight. Okay, can I start seeking? No. There were, but I also found that this game, to me at least, did a better job of allowing you to play how you wanted to a degree. And what I mean by that is there were a lot of... I know you can restart checkpoints and things here, but there were a lot of c- combats in the first one where I felt like it wasn't a valid option to just play it straight stealth or right. straight combat. Well, that's well, like, that, that's the rule this, of escalating yeah, fuck-ups this, yeah. with any stealth action right. game. Is you are as stealthy as possible 
until you fuck up. And then it just cascades from there. Yeah. Um, but I felt like you had to play it that way in the first one. And in this one, I found myself in... Like, in this one, I got through entire areas using stealth, which I don't think ever happened unless it was scripted in the first one. And I also found myself in situations where, you know, shit got real immediately... And I had the tools to navigate my way creatively out of those situations, um, personally. I also feel that um, this game doubles down on what I like to call the bullshit. Um, <laughs> the bullshit, which is, okay, I've actually managed to stealth my way through this whole section. Let me walk through this door. And there's an enemy there who grabs me and tackles me and throws me into a a QTE, even yes. though I didn't raise a single fucking alarm and I stealthed every motherfucker in this room and I've been listening, using my listen ability as paranoidly as possible and there was not a character over there. Uh, there's another scene where you are playing as yes. Abby uh, later on where you have just cleared out an area and you enter a new sort of little mini section of the area and you can see enemies. You can see enemies patrolling from a distance, and you can snipe and take out stealthily every single one of them. And then as soon as you slide down, like, you can depopulate the area, and then as soon as you slide down a hill, oh, there's one there who body slams you and knocks you the fuck out, and all of a sudden, oh, she, th this person's got two friends. Uh, Where so was that? It is, um, it's when you're playing as Abby... Uh, just after, like just after you are dealing with the uh, guy in the tower. Gotcha. Yeah, Naughty Dog has this obsession with forcing players into yes things um, <laughs> that that I, I do not appreciate either, uh, and this also, game is no I, exception. Abby has just better guns than Ellie. They're just plain better. Yes. And I think that's to try and make you enjoy playing her because of story reasons that I will get into about Abby. Um, also, I, also the, I, the ammo, you the ammo capacity in oh, this game ahead, yeah. is bullshit. That, this pissed me off to no end. Like, okay, so you're playing as, as Ellie and you get the shotgun, right? And the shotgun, it's like a short little pump action and it can fit f four cartridges in. And then you can have four shotgun shells in reserve, right? That means I can have four shotgun shells in reserve. Great. I've upgraded my shotgun. Now it's got a longer barrel and a longer ammo tube. And now can fit six shotgun shells in it. Hooray. Wait, why can I now only fit two shotgun shells in reserve? Yeah, I... You know, my concern, my issue with resources wasn't tied to that so much. It was tied mm -hmm. to the difficulty of the game. And I, so one of the things that I think is actually really nice about The Last of Us is it has a ton of difficulty options, including a lot of accessibility that was nice. options. That was actually very nice. Um, but one of I was going to say, Laura K. Buzz did a really good episode on her uh, accessibility series about The Last of Us 2 accessibility options. I love the fact that there's one that's like literally a mode to be yeah. able to see collectibles. Oh, yeah. yep. uh, no, the so sure cool. amount of accessibility options was great. 
even as someone who doesn't need them. It, like, it was nice to know those were there and there. And what I liked about it is the difficulty. You didn't have to... It wasn't just easy, normal, hard. It was a number of settings that contributes mm-hmm. to that difficulty. So... For me, I played the game on hard to a certain point, and what I found... And actually, what difficulty did normal. you play, Tris? Normal. So I played through on hard because a lot of people said, hey, Dan, the reason you didn't like Last of Us Part 1 was because you played it on normal and you shouldn't have played it on hard because resources would have mattered more. So I I tried it. I played it. Um, my issue was that hard was great except there were no yeah. resources anywhere on normal ever. you are drowning in them on normal you're like right. i have yes. full med kits <laughs> explosives like and full stock so i've got I, so I many nail bombs right. cuz i literally can't pick it up right but the cool thing about this game was i could say i'm going to play this game on hard except with normal resources so Everything was still hard, except the resources were, um, were you know, more abundant, um, which was pretty nice. So it was more about, like, getting myself out of these situations, and I had a really good time yeah. once I changed that setting. They just give yeah. you nothing on hard. It felt like I was finding it, you know, scrounging for every last bullet, and then, like you said, Tristan, I turned it to normal, yeah, and, and within, and like, I don't know, 30 minutes, I had a full... Yeah, I, I don't think I full. ever used a single smoke bomb. Um, yeah. There's also a new addition to this game that um, is probably my least favorite addition. There are several times in the in the course of Last yeah. of Us 2 where you have to fight an enemy who has a very big weapon while you are barehanded. Okay. Yes. Oh, yeah, I know what and you're talking about. And those yeah, yeah. fights are basically thinly veiled QTE yeah. boss rushes, yeah. essentially. Where it's just... And... And those are fucking bullshit. The timing on your dodge and on yep. your swing and uh, and everything else is is just ludicrously like unintuitive. Um, uh, and there's like three of them. Yeah. In the in the game, Tristan, I I am I am really glad that you brought up Abby's arsenal, though. Because my experience with the gameplay side of this game is... So, this is for anybody who's watching and, you know, already gone through the spoiler warnings and everything like that. You play the first half of the, first half of the game as Ellie. And then you play the second half of the game as another character, Abby. And all I remember... You know, the Ellie experience was fun to a point, And right as... Ellie's story was coming to an end. I was I was done, and I said, "This is a great way to end. This is a great spot to end this conversation." Nope, you've got like fourteen more hours, Bucko. Right, right. The game says, "Nay, Dan, you have more than double that amount of time you just spent." Yeah, as a character whom is almost impossible to empathize with. And getting back to your point about Abby Tristan. What I found myself saying as I played through Abby is the Abby part of the game to me was so much better. Let's not let's take out who the characters are in the story. Let's just talk about gameplay. The Abby sections of the game to me were so much better than the Ellie sections 
And I think a large part of that was due to our arsenal, because they have mm -hmm. different weapon loadouts between the two of them. But also, I felt that the Abbey sections, because it was further into the story, they did more interesting things and had more interesting set pieces that tried something new. And I felt, my, I, I felt myself thinking, like, I wish this was just the game. Like, again, story out of it, who you're playing as out of it. I wish this is where it started and got, you know, got to the end or, you know, or something like that. As far as the gameplay loop and the different types of challenges they throw at you. And I'm curious to get your um, take on it. But like I said, I, I feel like they gave Abby the better weapon set specifically to try and offset the fact that she is an imminently unlikable character. Um, it's... Like, like, every single weapon she has is just better than Ellie's. It's just what it comes down to. They, they are just better. Like, objectively better. Um, and, and the problem I had was... In, well, in addition to getting nauseous from playing the game, as again, back to, as I referenced before, my monitor, um, I just could not... I just could not be asked to try and keep playing as this character that I just vehemently disliked. Um, hmm. my, uh, my other big complaint with this game from a mechanical standpoint, um, so la the original Last of Us had the formula of exploration, combat. Like, okay, yep. you've just done a combat section, you've used up some resources, cool. You're gonna go through, gonna go through an area. You're gonna investigate some things. You're gonna collect some things here and there. You may have like a one or two little combat mini encounters while you're exploring, you know. But but for the most part, you're gonna be you know fairly fairly okay with that. And it was noticeable in Last of Us One, but I felt it was still fairly balanced. Like in Last of Us One, I still like. Even in those exploration sections, I still kind of went around, like, you know, using my listen every so often. Like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to enter this building. Hold on a sec. Let me listen. Kind of get a heads up here, you know. Uh, Last of Us 2, there is a, like, hard distinction between the two sections of the game. And it is, it, it's literally to the point of knowing, okay, I no longer have to worry about combat at all until my character starts like hunkering down again like even your run speed changes um and that was just yeah. like like it felt it felt really awkward really jarring to have that those sudden shifts and be like oh i don't have to worry about anything right now cool I get that to a degree because there's a definitive moment in every combat where you know it's over because the music changes, the character says something like, oh, I, think that, I think that's the last yeah. of them, or something like that. And But was it the last of us? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think it's the last of us. Um, and you know the combat's over. One thing I thought they did, and I, I think they did it intentionally for this reason, is that they did have certain scenarios where to keep you on the edge of your seat, like the scene, Tristan, where you are you go up to the workbench. Again, what I like to call to the bullshit. work on your item, and then get attacked like while said, you're working on your workbench. The bullshit. <laughs> you see, you see. Wow. I, I saw that. And I'm like, oh, 
hells to the fuck no. So I actually reloaded my checkpoint because I investigated the door they come out of. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, that's weird. It's, it's differently locked than the other locked doors yeah. in this game. Like, from a mechanical standpoint. I'm like, okay, that's really suspicious, which means it's probably a monster closet. Uh, so right. then they ambushed me at the workbench. I'm like, oh, hell's to the fuck no. I reloaded my checkpoint and just popped a mine right outside that door. And, oh, yes. Oh, sweet. Did and then work? I went to the workbench. Hell yeah. Now, the, one of them still showed up because they have to because they are cutscened in. Right. Um, Again, Naughty Dog Enforcing the bullshit. Better, yeah. Um, yeah. But th there was a nice little pile of them around the door frame after I was done. And I'm like, sweet little little bit of vindication there. Um, my, favorite, my favorite part of this game. But I, I want to talk about something good. Yep. My favorite part of this game is at the beginning when it's you and... Dana, um, with your horse around downtown Seattle, it's this nice little mm -hmm. bit of kind of like open worldiness where you can explore a whole yep. bunch of different things. There are different places to go to. You have different little mini story threads sort of littered throughout and you can pull on one and it leads you to another, to like another part of the map and you go explore there and there's more stuff you find. Like, that little bit of open worldiness, I loved. That was great. I was having so much fun with my awesome lesbian horse adventures. Um, that was fantastic. I, I am so upset that the that it you only do it once in the entire yeah, game. Yeah, I, I thought it was weird that it. And I, and I thought it was weird where it was placed, because it's, right. like, the first thing you do. So it sets me up, like, oh, is, is, is this a new thing we're going to be doing in The Last of Us Part Two? It's kind of having these, like, open-world right. sort of self-explory bits where I can, you know, go over here for a bit and then go over right. there for a bit, rather than being railroaded along a path with way too many points of no return that are really obvious points of no return. Like, holy crap. Are there too many of those things in this game where you go like go through a door and you have to like, oh, oh, there's like a cabinet or something. So let me push it out of the way and then I'm through. And now for like no reason, I'm just going to push this cabinet over so I can't go back out this door. Ugh. Yeah, I'm sure it was there probably to like hide there loads to hide loads and, and like to deload areas. And to make sure you don't right. go back is the big thing. Um... And then the last thing I want to complain about from a technical standpoint. Uh, so The Last of Us Part 1, the original, had fantastic sound design. Like, mm -hmm. like you had animal noises, you had like, like sound effects, music, audio, was beautifully balanced, beautifully integrated, like, well used, and... It's one of the things I specifically called out in our last was one episode was how great the sound design is. Last of Us Part Two has fucking garbage sound design. It's awful. Interesting. I didn't really. I didn't really pick up Every, on it either way. Everyone in this game uh, is whispering all the time. 
because we don't want the zombies. No, to but it's like it's like holy shit, like <laughs> like when you first start as Abby and you are in the WLF headquarters, like you there's there's a scene where you are riding an elevator up. Uh, with, with, as Abby, with your buddy and with the head of the WLF and you're having a conversation, everyone is whispering like you are in an elevator in your headquarters. Why the fuck are you whispering right now? I can't hear you. Like if I didn't have subtitles on, I wouldn't have picked up anything from the story. Basically like character dialogue would have been completely lost on me. If I didn't have subtitles on. And this is more of a thematic thing, but every, like the direction, like the, the vocal direction in this game is, is just terrible. I don't know if they changed directors or something, but, but like la- the original Last of Us had like some nuance to its characters and some lightheartedness and some darkness and some, and, and you had and different characters had like different ways of speaking At, in Last of Us part two. Every character really quietly, very intensely says things at a very specific pace. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the tone overall, yeah. we'll, we'll get to it. I, I do want to talk a little bit more about gameplay, but soon soon enough we'll get into the story. And I mean, it's pretty, for all of us who have experienced it in some way, shape, or form, I think we can all agree it's pretty it's pretty somber. Well, but I mean, even, even part thing. one was. <laughs> Even the original was, but this is just like yeah. every character has one voice setting. This is the mm. only way they deliver any lines for like ninety percent of their dialogue, and it ju- I just it just got me super fed up. I've been cheating on, cheating on you. You've been cheating on me. But I've been cheating through this life. And all it's suffering. Oh, Christ. Am I good for nothing? So I'm going to b- bring up something, and I was wondering if, like, Ali or you guys have seen this and stuff. So um, what Lexi was saying was, like, in was a bit of discourse in terms around the Abby character, which I thought was, like, very odd because she was definitely not written this way, whatso- well, written this way whatsoever, was that apparently because she, like, dresses a bit butch and seems a bit masked, some folks were saying that she was trans, whereas it's like... <sighs> which seems really weird and odd to me just because, I mean, hey, you know, like, having a trans woman as a character would be great, but there's also plenty... It's clearly from everything you said. So it seems but, like, but, Barra, real women don't look like that. Never mind the fact that they based her body off of an actual real-life yeah. athlete. But, Who you know... Women don't look like that unless they 
secretly have a penis. But I think what that finds especially like weird and galling to me is is that like you know my mom. My mom is a beautiful woman, but she is also someone who like dread. You know, but in addition to being uh, a straight, well, a straight cis woman, she's also someone who like you know oftentimes dresses very butch because of like how she works and such. And I grew up around a lot of like women who were who were cis, and as far as I know, were straight, and who also dressed fairly uh, d- dressed fairly butch. And like, there's nothing uh, there's nothing wrong or unusual about, uh, about that. And it, I just find it odd. Again, as you said, that like people would assume, would see like you know, because I've seen like like an athletic body type and some harsher features, and think, oh, that this means someone's not cis. That's that's kind of that that's just bizarre to me in terms of like what kind of women are you interacting with or seeing that you don't see that spectrum. Barrett, Barrett, the the gamer boys can't masturbate to Abby because she's too mannish. Therefore, she has to be trans. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was like, so. Uh, so it's, true. That's so entirely what it is. These are the same people that are mad that Ellie's yep. a lesbian. Like, fuck off with that shit. That shit can get we'll, right we'll, the we'll talk about it. We'll definitely talk about a lot of that stuff, I'm sure, when we get to the Because oh, Because oh, I have, story I have issues with the story and the characters. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're waiting on that. I have other that. issues with, also, that, with that type of yeah, stuff. Also, I've just ranted for a good long while. So someone else, please take Take over in there, Tris. (laughs) I do. Well, I'll I'll uh I'll jump back in from the. I did not play this, but I traded it like a movie perspective. If we're cool with that. Well, can I can I before we do that? Can I just quickly give like my I guess like my abstract? (laughs) No. On on the gameplay. (laughs) So go on, Dan. My my TLDR on the gameplay is I thought there were really a lot of really great game moments and concepts but I felt it was just way too long, even just oh, from God, a gameplay yes. perspective. Yeah, that's what a lot of people have been saying, is, like, it's too much. Like, if they had chopped it in half and made it two separate games, it would have been fine. So I've, I've, I've watched some Sony-specific, but I know this is an industry-wide thing, just tell, Sony-specific documentaries where developers kind of let it let slip almost in their in their dialogue there's one in a god of war particular god of war um documentary in particular where they say one of the requirements of this game is that it's a certain length and i think it's because some marketing person has told them that fewer people will return the game if it's over a certain number of hours mm-hmm. long yeah oh, and god, that number of course. that from that documentary sits right within where last of us is so i suspect that it's a it's, it's the 25 to 30 hour mark Exactly. It's 25 to 30 hours. It's such a weird backwards thing we've gone into where, like, before it felt like games were too short. Like, I'm thinking, you know, the Order 1886 or whatever. Oh, God, don't get me started on the Order 1886. now games are too long. Well, in my humble opinion, for for this interest of of, um, putting a bow on this, is that I think a game should be as long as it needs to be. And once it... And I think it should be as long as it needs to be to continue to introduce new and interesting concepts. That's why I like games like Mario, because they have a gameplay loop, but they add consistently new challenges to it. And once they're out of ideas, the game ends. I, I, would, and, I would just add the caveat that there are occasions where the game should go just a step beyond that if it mm-hmm. can integrate all of the mechanics together. Yeah. Because right. that moment where you're like at the end of the game and you were doing 
everything the game has introduced to you, like, at the same time, can be really satisfying. Yeah. I mean, that's control for you right, right. there. I mean, in terms right. of, like, where you do get to play a decent amount of it where you're in your end state and it's balanced and done enough where, like, it's not boring because it's still challenging and you still have to balance out all your, like, powers and yeah. stuff together. It's, it's, it's the victory lap portion, the celebration portion, the, the sort of, I have assembled the puzzle and now I need a moment to look at and appreciate the puzzle. That's a catharsis. Yeah. Catharsis is probably, like, the most ideal part of it. Um, where it's just, like, ideally that's going in while the story is also reaching a peak. Um, yeah. Like, where you've, and, like... Or where, and again, I, I know... I hate to just keep on writing it, but it's so good at it because a lot of times, you know, you get to a point in the game where you have everything, and when the story is reaching a peak, you're basically a non-killable god except for the cheese-tastic boss, which has to be super hard to make it so you just don't breeze through it. Like, I mean, I love the Outer Worlds. By the time I got to the end, I was just blasting through everything yep. until that stupid fucking robot at the end, where I and just couldn't, uh, where it took a while to actually beat it. I, and what was so beautiful about Control was is that I was in the end game, I had maxed out a number of skills, and, I was, and it was still really challenging, just and like even though I had everything going on and the story was ratcheting up and still getting really interesting and to me that is that's such a hard thing to pull off but if you can pull it off where like you have reached uh, the plot development and your growth in terms of being able to interact with the toy intersect that's like chef kiss yeah, yeah. like the pinnacle of the I would like form. to just take this opportunity to bring up a game that exemplifies the exact opposite of that, which is Asura's Wrath. Asura's Wrath. I don't know. You have basically there, there's basically zero character like progression. Like you don't really level up in that game. You don't really learn new moves. You don't really get like new abilities. But the story grows and grows and escalates and escalates and gets more and more absolutely ludicrous as you go on. And so the story and the cutscenes and stuff are amazing. It's just a shame you have to play this terrible game to get to them. <laughs> yeah. And I... I think The Last of Us 2 is kind of the opposite of that for me to a degree. I mean, I definitely think the game's too long, but by the end, I would argue that I think the end combat scenarios in The Last of Us are probably some of the best. But you're in a new place in Santa Barbara at the end of The Last of Us Part 2. You have long since become tired of the storyline, oh yes. which is not which is spinning its tires. And there's been so much so much gameplay unnecessarily up to that point that I was just ready yeah. for it to end. Yeah, I hit that point about 10 hours before you did. <laughs> when I was just like, oh, I don't want to play as this character for another, like, 10 hours. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't care. Well, let's... Let me, um... Let me stop talking about the gameplay and let move us... Move on to the story. Then move move on to the other half of the game the, the not the toy but the movie yeah. and, and i want to hear ali's yeah, take on I this i will not as a movie start yet. this conversation i will wait yeah 
Yeah, I think we should give Allie the floor. <laughs> so, it's... I keep thinking, you know, let's just get it out of the way. Abby kills Joel. And a really horrific... I mean, there's... There's a lot of stuff with this game that makes me glad I'm not playing it because Naughty Dog seems to want to beat you over the head with the idea of violence is bad, don't do violence, look at this dog, you killed this dog, Are you're a bad no, person. But at the same time, it says, but our game is right. fun to play. It's- I like it. Like If I play a game like that, like I like having things explode. I like setting up traps. It's it, There's this weird... Ludo narrative dissonance. Yeah, it's it's Ooh, spooky, which I'm really glad for that fact that I ended up watching yeah. The Last of Us Two as opposed to playing it. I think it works better as a narrative that way, but at the same time, I still don't entirely think it works perfectly because one, you have this whole thing about. The game shifting from playing as Ellie to Abby after Abby kills Joel. Which, by the way, if you are one of these pieces of shit that's gone onto Twitter threatening Laura Bailey and her family because you don't like what Abby did, you can go fucking jump off a cliff. Wait, who's Laura Bailey and why are they threatening the her? The actor who plays Abby. And she got death threats on Twitter because Abby kills Joel. Wait, people threaten the actor. People, are people do this insane. shit all the fucking yeah, they- time and I hate it. That's insane. Yes. Like Laura Bailey like Laura Bailey had any any fucking sway in what her character did. No. It's also a fictional fucking, fucking delusional character. and need help. My gosh, she didn't murder someone. She killed a fi- she she ended the storyline of a character. What she, the hell? Yeah. She played a and character. Honestly, who killed when that mo- character. Yeah. When that moment happened, was I upset? Was I angry? Yeah. Sure, but I think they could have made it work and made Abby more sympathetic if they had somehow, like, made it into two games or, like, rearranged when Abby comes in. Because from Abby's perspective, like, she has every fucking right to be angry at him and want revenge. And yes, I get it. Ooh, the whole point of the game is violence begets violence and the cycle of revenge and blah, 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 blah. But again, it's a video game where your main thing to do is fucking murder people. This game hammered you over the head with... (laughs) with... Isn't the cycle of violence terrible? Don't you feel bad? You should feel bad. Feel bad about killing these characters. I think, honestly, the part that... The part that made me most angry, Tristan, and guys, is... is the part where Ellie realizes she's about to murder somebody who is visibly pregnant. Like... You could have been killing shit tons of pregnant people and not have known yeah, it just because yeah. they didn't have a fucking oh, yeah. bump. It's... Like, oh, I'm sad because I almost killed a pregnant lady. Oh, I'm going to go murder more people now. And then uses that exact same defense to keep Abby from yeah. killing Dana. Like, just... y- you can't, like, there's a lot of you can't, like, of them trying to have their cake and eat it too. Yeah. Like, oh look, we have two characters that are ele- that are one's bisexual and one's a lesbian. Never mind the fact that there's like homophobic slurs thrown at them in the beginning of the game. But but that's okay. We have a trans character who for no fucking reason it's- other than I think just to make this game seem real or whatever 
is like the victim of transphobic violence. It's almost violence. like religious fundamentalists it's who fucking torture, stupid. hang, and stone people to death and ritually scarify themselves are terrible people. But like, that's the thing. You don't need them to be transphobic to do that. There was never, never anything in The Last of Us 1 or even in part two that would make me think, ah, people are still bigots. And you know what? Here's the thing. Oh, but it's more realistic that way. You know what's not fucking realistic? People becoming yeah, zombies right. because of a fungus. <laughs> you don't need to no. include that level of bigotry no. in that game. And like, to be fair, it's not the worst I've ever seen in a game. Trust me. I'm sure at some point we'll talk about Deadly Premonition 2 and how much I want to fucking jump out of a window because of it. But, like, narratively, it like it, it makes no fucking sense. Like, I'm so this, tired of seeing stories where game. people who are marginalized based on their gender, their sexual orientation, or what have you facing violence in an already violent and yeah. horrible world because of who they are. It's not fucking necessary. Ellie, I'd like to I'd like to loop back to to this co- part of the conversation, but if it's okay, I would want to ask your opinion about something else that happened earlier in terms of like the message of this mo- of this game seems to be you know like that the futility of revenge and that violence is bad, oh, I'll but talk then you about also that. kill a lot of people really that. violently. But that being said, uh, how would you feel or how do you think the game would be changed if you could? do it a Dishonored route. And not to say that Dishonored does it absolutely perfectly, but it is interesting that you can play, and one of the things I like about playing those games is that they're games about revenge, but you can make the conscious choice not to murder people. I think I would like that so much more, honestly. probably... Although, honestly, at this point, I want every game to be done by Arcane Studios, so... Except that knowing Naughty Dog, you could... And, and knowing the the bullshit they pull, even if they added in a non-lethal option, it wouldn't make probably wouldn't make a difference for the cutscenes. Well, also in Dishonored, right? Isn't the whole now? It's been a while, but isn't the whole purpose like you're rescuing somebody? Yeah, for the, like the first half of the but game. You, right. But you first have to assassinate um, key people. Who like diso- who 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 frame right. you for, for who frame you for murder and such, and gotcha. you have the ability to to go about before assassinating or just like just non lethally choking out and uh, sleep darting folks until you get to your assassination targets, and right. then there are non lethal ways to get rid of people too where you don't directly yep. kill folks. Right. So there's still there's still a level of violence, but it's yeah, not there's as still a level of like ickiness, like an entire army of people. Right. Okay. Right. I mean, like put it to you this way: like you can easily when you play Dishonored, which is the way I do it, you can pick a really fun head cannon where you yeah. just totally vash the stampede or whatever. Pick your anime protagonist who's vowed to never kill. I'm not going to name the property, which is, does that excellently, but the person turns out to be a uh, pedophile. Um, who actually created it. But, you know, we all know what red-headed samurai we're talking about. Um, like, you can totally do that in Dishonor, where you're just like, I've seen awful things, so I'm going to kill no one. And you can totally Batman. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the better the yeah. better analogy. And that's cool. That's a really fun way, especially if when you're playing a game, you love your headcanons. And it and its cutscenes and story allows for and allows for that yeah, as he, well, too. Which, yeah. again, is, is cool when there's so many games where violence is around and also where uh 
where the game really does talk about like revenge and a cycle of violence and you can contribute less to it i guess anyway and yeah exactly and that being said dishonored and dishonored 2 not perfect what that regards by any stretch of the means, but it does a hell of a lot better job of The Last of Us 2, mostly because you don't have this weird social media, like, buzz going on from the creative directors at Arcane saying, well, the real point of the game is that violence begets violence, and revenge is bad, and if you critique that, you like violence, and... So, So, the lack of choice in Last of Us 2 was a big reason why I could not connect with the story because the game is like spends so long being like don't you feel bad about the choices you've made and I'm like no because this all happened in cutscenes and I had no choice you didn't give me an option not to do this and you had several arenas where I literally had to murder people to get through this yeah Yeah. literally had to kill that dog had no also, choice to not kill it. And like what's what's funny about it though to me is that you literally have your answer in yeah. the game. There are zombies that you can attack and kill. Like and there are lots of different types of them. Like you have your yeah. answer right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and the other problem I have with this game as opposed to the first one. Now that we're talking about story. So the original Last of Us was kind of the first game to really focus on parenthood over the course of a journey and we've seen that used yeah. a lot since then that's you know got the new god of war um uh oh god what was it called um some indie title that i will look up and get back to um <laughs> but but when last was not plague tale about that too to a degree oh no that that's uh, no that's a brother yeah. and sister um, but family but yeah um, but yeah but when like, Last of Us came out, it was kind of the first example of that. And it was... And so... In games, right, at least. And so you had right. this... So the, the original Last of Us had this really nice kind of multi-layered story. You had, the, you had Ellie and Joel and sort of their ersatz father-daughter relationship. You had the story of their journey across the United States to get to the Fireflies. You had the stories of... You had all, all these other little stories about, from the people you encountered. Like, the, like you encountered the father and son at one point in the original Last of Us. And, like, you get to see sort of, like, the parallels there for a little. Um, and yeah. so... And at the same time, because you're going across the entire United States over the span of, like, four different seasons, you're seeing a lot of the world after this, you know, after the apocalypse... And you even get to see basically, like, zero hour at the very beginning. So the original Last of Us also had a lot of really interesting, really nice world building. Last of Us 2 is a bog-standard goddamn revenge story that has been done to death a trillion times. I've read Moby Dick. I've read The Count of Monte Cristo. I don't need another fucking piece of media regurgitating the same all revenge is inherently self-destructive and bad storyline because I've seen that a million times and Last of Us 2 doesn't do anything interesting with it. Yeah, I, I, I think my biggest concern problems were are, are just kind of a higher level with this is one is I felt like their story was told. Yeah. 
at the end of Last of Us One, and I didn't I didn't know. You know, if you were a Remedy Entertainment or an Obsidian, you can go ahead and tell Abby's story for The Last of Us Part Two. But if you're a Naughty Dog and you have a budget of fuck off huge, I, I don't want to know how much money this is, right? Like, you're going to go back to the characters. You're going to go back to what's familiar to people. Um, and I just felt like there was there was no need to continue down their storyline. No. At all, and I and I thought that they didn't do anything interesting with it anyway. Like there, there was a moment. So obviously, you know, so Abby, Abby kills Joel after he saves after her that, life. Up, yes, which ungrateful. I, I think it's yes, but also I mean, untrustworthy. He also too. did kill her family. Right. He's not a good right. dude. Right. So, like, let's not beat around the bush. Was I sad? Yes. Did I understand? Right. Also, like, yes. Like, right. I get it. Because I he get killed a kill lot him. of people. But what turned me off from Abby is her continual enjoyment of inflicting pain on people. Yeah, that like, was a... So we see her... Not good. ...brutally torture and then murder Joel. And then, the like, within the first, like, ten minutes of playing as her... When we switch to her perspective, you are going through WLF headquarters through the prison cells and you see them like brutalizing their prisoners. And Abby's like, yeah, I'd love to spend a few minutes with some of these guys, too. I'm just like, I'm just like, no, you cannot get me to empathize with this character because this character is a terrible human being who enjoys inflicting pain. Yeah, I don't care about her. The voice actress for Abby was also the voice actress for Lust in FMA. Uh, she's Laura Bailey. She's in everything. There's only like yeah, ten voice here actors. Yeah, you're in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> I, so it's funny you say that. It's unfortunately true, though. You don't joke. You don't joke. You no, don't I joke. don't it's, joke. It's, it's unfortunately be, very true. They must be the ones not in the union or something. I don't know. But, um... <laughs> like, I was, I was... I had to laugh because I was looking through the plot as we were preparing, because it's been a couple weeks, and I'm like, oh my god, okay, so Ashley Birch is a voice in this, and, you know, Troy Baker, and Laura Bailey, and just all these people who are in everything. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, I mean, so that is pretty disturbing that, like, she's a... Because I just thought that, like, she broke in and just, like, from what I've heard it, that she just broke in and, like, shot this Joel fellow. Oh, no. No, she, she saw him out because if... At the end of the original Last of Us, Joel kills all the doctors that are about to ap- operate on Ellie because Ellie is immune to the fungus. And one of those doctors, I believe, was was it, was it Abby's, Abby's dad. dad or mom? Abby's dad. Yeah. So, like, from Abby's perspective, it's her whole thing of, like, this guy killed my dad. I'm going to fucking kill him. Which... Again, Which she has nursed for like. I understand, but she's also oh an God, asshole. Eminently unlikable. So, but why does she have to? But she, why does she torture him instead of just because him? she's an asshole who likes inflicting pain on people? That seems like an odd thing to do to like make some like uh, to 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 make somebody to to make somebody likable. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's really strange. And again, like why even if I'm even if you're looking at it at least from the perspective I came up as this is a movie, 
Well, I, I don't really want to follow around somebody that seems to take yeah. joy in hurting people. Like, I don't... If you, the point of your media is to make me uncomfortable, hooray! Good. Right. Also, let's not let's not what, talk about. What do you get out of this? Let's also not talk about how, about her and Owen fucking in the boat. You know, while Owen's wife is pregnant. Just yeah. Wait, what? She has sex oh, yeah. with some with someone with a pregnant partner. No, no, no. Abby and Owen have sex. This is after a while, um, and Owen's wife is currently pregnant. So Owen cheats on his wife with Abby. Does Abby know this? Oh yes. That's a terrible person. Like this that's is a, a line terrible you don't person. cross. If someone and has a pregnant you partner, see. you don't have sex with them. In, and when, and when now they're Bera. cheating, if they're cheating on you with them, I mean, and now and now Barra, Barra, now you see why. I could not play ten more hours as this character. That's weird. I, I, I see. I from what I heard, I just thought that like she kills him. She she kills your Ellie's dad, and then it's hard to you know get behind somebody who assassinates you know a beloved character. Not that she's also kind of a pos. Um, yeah. That's all. There have definitely been stories where I I have gotten behind people who've done some pretty crappy things. I love me a good villain slash antihero, right. but the well, thing I, is, I, they well, I mentioned, they don't do a good job of doing that with Abby. No. Like like I brought up the Count of Monte Cristo. That is a classic revenge story, but dear God, you are really kind of rooting for the Count for a good part of it. I mean, you all, I always root for the Count. Um, it's just. In going for it says the Count of Monte Cristo is, it's like the great revenge story, and I, so you, you 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 it so you know Tristan how like sometimes you just nerd out about stuff. I'm about to I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take my nerd out sign because I dude, love the Count of Monte Cristo. Dude, feel free to nerd out about the Count of Monte Cristo. For nerd. all of you who are listening, who haven't played The Last of Us Two yet, don't pay, play The Last of Us Two. Go pick up a copy of The Count of Monte Cristo it's, and it, read it. You love it. It is such a great read. It reads it so is, fast and beautifully. And it is and it such is, a better story than this. Well, it's also, I mean, because the thing is, is that it's a, it's a story about revenge. Um, and it's also, and weirdly enough, like kind of like a almost a prototypical like superhero story before even anything. I mean, you could say Sherlock Holmes is the first superhero, except The Count of Monte Cristo is a story that predates it by decades um mm-hmm. but it's but it really it focuses on revenge but it also manages to through the course of it show that revenge is ultimately a hot is is ultimately a hollow thing but it doesn't do it by being preachy or preachy or weird it does it does it by having a really compelling story that like and by being tragic yeah, and tragic, and it just it sh- it also shows yeah it also shows that like it's it's hollow that like you know that yeah. you can you can uh, gain total mastery over your enemies in really elaborate things, but like that won't bring joy back into your life, and it's not going to make your life it's not going to fill the void which you know your years of torture and imprisonment engendered in you. Uh, it's a yeah. great book. Uh, I'm like not I said, doing it justice, but it is it is beautiful. Yeah, l- like I said, it, it tells the story. That Last of Us Part Two wants to tell, but leagues better. Like, like if The Last of Us Two were in its own league, and that league were to explode, 
the Count of Monte Cristo wouldn't hear the explosion for three days. That's how out of its league it is. Yeah. Read the damn book. It's great. And if you yeah. think, oh, I've seen the Jim Caviezel movie, the Jim Caviezel movie and really nearly every adaptation is a pale comparison, mainly because <laughs> people don't have the chutzpah to basically follow, like, Alexander Dumas's like, perfect pacing, and instead they seem to just want to do other weird stuff with it, which is fine. They're still great things because it's using elements from a great story, but, like, read right. the whole th- read the book. Right. The pro- probably the best adaptation of Count of Monte Cristo to media is probably Genkutsuo. I've heard the anime is really faithful and really good. It's really Even faithful. Even though it's about it's a really space vampire. Good. It is about a space vampire. <laughs> um, in future Paris. It's, it's very um, faithful if you're talking about space vampires. <laughs> right. Wait, um, what is this called again, Tristan? Genkutsuo is the English Okay, show. I'm going to have to check uh, the that out. The Count is Thank also you. voiced by Joji Nakata in the Japanese dub. Uh who is the Japanese voice actor for Alucard in Helsing. Mm. And has a voice like velvety chocolate. I've only oh seen little bits of Genkutsuo, but as someone who is like a giant fan of the Count of Monte Cristo story, even though it's a space vampire, it gets the um, it gets like the pacing and it the hits, character dynamics better it, than... It gets the character dynamics done right. It gets the pacing done right. It gets all the story beats done right. Um, one thing, though, is that it may make your eyes bleed. It has some weird, weird, weird... Uh, it's gorgeous. Uh, it's it's pretty beautiful. Cool. But dear God, if I watch more than one episode in a row, my eyes begin to just die. <laughs> uh, so I have a... So yeah, Count of Monte Cristo is great. Um, Gun Kitsuo, from what I've seen, great. is pretty great too. Uh, Ali, I want to ask you another question though. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, no, don't uh, I mean, so, <laughs> it's so, so what I'm wondering about is, is that, like, why was it necessary for Ellie's girlfriend to be pregnant with the kid of someone she breaks up with to then date Ellie? That just, yeah. no, I, I yeah. mean, that's a really awkward and horrifying situation that, like, outside of a zombie pandemic, like, if I had friends that were involved with that, I'd be like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah, What's going is, on here? Well, Bera, Bera, I may be going out on a limb here, and maybe this is just because of who I am, but to me, it just reads like a good old case of the slutty bisexual. Yeah. Through and through. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, also, but also, this game's need to try and compare Abby and Ellie in every way, shape, and form. Yep. They have to have a pregnant friend. Right. Yep. Yep. They have to have a pregnant friend, and oh my god, Ellie almost killed someone who was pregnant. Oh my god! No, what do you mean almost? Isn't that bad? What do you mean almost? Ellie stabs oh, her in right, the. Oh, right, she did. Ellie stabs her in the throat. Yeah, there ain't then, there ain't no almost. There ain't no almost. <laughs> Ellie stabs her in the throat, and then afterwards discovers that oops, I just killed a pregnant woman. Also, also, all of Abby's friends, like, all of this unpleasantness, could have been really easily avoided. Ellie didn't care about any of you. You had... Like, legit, I think at the end of the day, the only person I ended up caring about was the kid. What's his face? Liam? Lev. Leo? Lev. Lev. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, I only gave a shit about him. Yeah. Because... Agreed. Because, yeah. There there are... Like, in the original Last of Us, 
you meet a whole bunch of, a whole cast of different characters, many of whom are actually fairly likable. Oh, Henry. Well, and, and like Joel's friend, um, who where you have to go get the gas for the car. Yes. Oh, uh, crap. Why am I forgetting I've his name? I've forgotten his name, too. But like, yep, we all like know he's a about. fun, like, wacky individual. And at the very end of his segment, when he's, like, no longer really pertinent, it's kind of like, oh, he was gay. Cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, was just, <laughs> I was just gonna say that if nobody else there's that, it up. There's that scene where Ellie finds the gay porn in the back of the car. So I will say, like, on the one hand, when they had that that scene where she gave her girlfriend the big kiss and it made the gamers angry, I was like, fuck yeah. Yep. Fuck your feelings. Gay people exist. Get the fuck over Golf it. Clap. The fight is not over until y'all stop being fucking assholes about it. Don't tell me that, oh, this shit's being shoved down my throat. You know what shoved down my god, like, and everybody else's goddamn face all the time? Is fucking successes. I can't fucking... Cishats. I can't talk. Cisgender homophobic bullshit. Just like, we will stop being mad about this shit when you guys stop being assholes. However, at the same time, in light of what happens in the game, and, and again, it's not the worst I've ever seen looking at you, Deadly Premonition. You can't have your cake and eat it too and say, look at us, we're so progressive. We have our gays, we have our trans character. And yet have them suffer from bigotry in a world that, ostensibly, at least according to the first game, didn't seem to give a fuck about yeah. it. Also in the first game... At all. Yeah. Well, my big thing in Last of Us 2 is that there, like nobody is a good person in Last of Us 2. Right? Like, like in Last of Us 1, you've got Joel, and you're like, okay, Joel's done some shady shit. Right? But he's trying. Uh, and you meet you meet people who help you out and who are like, you know, some of them are a little are a little wacky. Uh, but ultimately, you know, you come across like you leave and it's like, okay, this has been a good interaction. And even the fireflies are like, like they're the people who are in this crazy fucked up universe are trying to make a cure. You know, like the fireflies here, like they're hopeful. They're like looking to the future. They're. You know, they're actually trying to make the world a better place. It's only at the end that you discover that they're totally willing to kill Ellie uh, in order to make said cure and not even give her a choice in the matter. Yeah. Um, or whereas, Joel. Or, well, I guess he doesn't really have a I mean, it's not really. Right. Yeah, there's, make, there's a whole but. lot of achiness we could talk about in terms of, like, what did Ellie know or not know? <laughs> You know, she has a right to bodily autonomy, and not those doctors or Joel can make that right. decision for her. To Is be, she to be fair, emotionally and mature, like mature enough to make that decision for herself? No, because she's a kid. Right. Like, like to be fair, like, out of it's really complicated between the two. Joel comes <laughs> off as the lesser asshole in that situation, um, because uh, his choice at least kept her alive. And there was well, no way he wasn't getting out of that with her without there being a firefight. They were just going to—they were just going to kill her and do the operation and not give her a choice whatsoever. One one thing I don't think I brought up in the in the first the Last of Us One podcast that I've since 
looked into and, and, and agree with wholeheartedly is that, you know, I, I think the, the games make the mistake of assuming that the Fireflies were going to find the cure with Ellie. And Last of oh. Us Part 1 really doesn't set that table at all. No. Like the, the, yeah, no, they the don't. The area that you're in before this, I think it is, you know, there are all these, like, you know, voice recordings of people who are basically fucking everything up. Like, yeah. the, like these Fireflies, like, are doing this by the seat of their pants. Like, there is really no... They don't know no, what the fuck they're doing. They don't really know what they're doing. They're just trying to figure it out. Yep. And, like, there's no guarantee that had Ellie not been, you know, commandeered... <laughs> yeah. That they, would have found, that they would have found the cure. Like, they could have just... They might have just killed her and not found the cure. So, I, so, I got a question and, and about, this, about Last of Us 1 and 2 here. Like, so, I, I understand that a big dramatic part of Last of Us one was as you was like you know they're looking to find the cure with ellie and then joel's like this operation will kill her and it's like you're not killing my daughter boom 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 but then like was she is she involved as this takes up with any kind of like research that won't kill her to find the cure because nope like, no nope. that to me seems like there's, a giant plot no thread and i could no get how to like get joel sample. could continue to protect her but that seems like and well, I get, like, not murdering so, or so, maiming so, someone, Mara, but... there is no way to get a sample of... So, so, basically what it is is that Ellie's... So, Ellie is infected, but she has been infected with a mutated strain of the cordyceps fungus that has meshed with her immune system rather than trying to take it over. So, their hope is to get a sample of her variant strain of the cordyceps virus, and if they can replicate it, they can introduce it to people so that they can't get infected. Basically, that strain prevents infection from the other strains, but it's a harmless strain. Hence the idea of a vaccine. Um, The problem is that they can't get a sample without killing Ellie because the sample they need because of how it grows into the brain. But they won't let her wake up before they run the operation. To and give they her basically, a choice. To give her a choice. They don't even bother, which means they're not going to even bother to try to do any other tests. Right? Nope. And they basically flat out tell Joel, like, we're holding you here. We're going to do this. Yeah. And you can't stop us. Like, it's... it's it, I, I really think Naughty Dog really forces the moment on they, a number of do. levels. Um... And the other, the, the other thing, too, is that and my, my, one of my whole points is even if they come up with a vaccine, mm-hmm. so what? All right. that's going to do is stop new people from getting infected. Right. We've already seen, like, like, Western civilization is fucked. Yeah. It ain't coming back. I'll say this, if you could, in a pandemic situation like that, like, a vaccine would allow for rebuilding to happen at a far bigger pace, and, like, you know, from what I've seen in the last of this world, they still have access to, like, industry and guns, and, like, you could build, human beings are remarkably good at at two things, killing and making other humans. It's a long-term payoff, like, there is no good short-term solution that comes from it, but, like say theoretically they could get it done right in the long term it would help to rebuild society the big issue here though is ellie does not get a say in that so but i mean i guess to me though it's just it's hard to be credible then like i see how they set it all up 
and I sound like for the first game, but it's hard for me to credibly that like she wouldn't they she wouldn't be involved in some way to try to get her some way version of the cordyceps virus out of her to make the vaccine um, in the uh, after this. Like but, it's it but, just seems like a really. It seems both selfish and also a missed opportunity. And, like, I guess, like, oh, they have to take it from her brain. But it's just, like, people find workarounds for things all the time. And you can also do things like do brain surgery and take a small bit of something and, you know, survive out of it. Like, it just – it's odd. Maybe I'm just being too much of a pedant, but – Right. No, I think that's totally a valid criticism, Barrett. And it's, like – Because it's the fate of humanity here. And, like, I get that the fate of humanity won't allow her, especially with her, with Gun Dad and also her own capabilities of violence, to be murdered. But, like, surely she and Gun Dad can work out an agreement with someone where they can try to harvest it from, like, regular blood samples or spinal fluid yeah, or right, something. Right. The, right, so, Bear, the whole point, though, was that they weren't going to try that. And no, they, but they, they didn't other care. people yeah. do it. Like, the, obviously, the, the idea that, right, bear, bear, bear. The idea is that this is like the only surviving cerebrospinal specialist in the world. Because bear in mind that everything that happens in The Last of Us, in the first game, it's been the apocalypse has been. We've been zombie apocalypse for twenty years. Ellie was literally born after the after the apocalypse. She has. Like, there's entire generations who don't know what ice cream trucks are. Because they've grown up after day zero. Um, also, I'm this is also a very weird analogy right here, though. Well, th- this, is also, this is also assuming that the Fireflies don't discover the cure and then are wiped out by another militant group. Or someone takes the, vu- the vaccine... And then withholds it from other groups. Like, there, there's no guarantee that even if they come up with a perfect vaccine, that the Fireflies wouldn't hoard, hoard it or go to war to protect it or only use it for themselves. I mean, don't get me wrong. What Joel did in the context of Last of Us 1 seems, especially with how conveniently they made he has no choice in the plot, to make sense. They internal plot generated right. that. Um, but it's just, it's more that like, I find like, if you were going to tell that story again, I feel at the very least, I would expect this, uh, this Ellie character to have a lot of thoughts and doubts or be sick, like at the very least have a lot of guilt about like, oh, I'm living my life and having my girlfriend, but like the world is collapsing and slowly getting worse. And every time I see like a zombie, I could have prevented this or like, I, okay, um, obviously I didn't want to die, but like, I really want to like, you know, see if I can find someone else who can teach themselves the tools to turn this. It's like, it, it, it would have to be a point of conversation. It seems odd that anybody would let her, especially people, if people know about her story, like, um, Abby does, would let her to continue to just live her life and have her girlfriend and such when she's clearly someone who can like drastically change, um, humanity's, humanity's future. Uh, and in terms of like you know this that without if that was the last squad, and again you know this may be pedantic, but it's just like you know an example I like to give in terms of like people changing their lives and doing crazy stuff is Oliver Cromwell, who is in the 1600s. Oh, don't get me fucking started on Oliver Cromwell. <laughs> do not, Barra, Barra, Barra. We do not want to have the Oliver Cromwell talk. 
He was a. I'm Irish descended. We don't want to have the Oliver Cromwell. I'm not talk. saying Oliver Cromwell is a good person. He did awful things in Ireland, but he did. He was. He could. He was not a cavalry commander until his forties. Human beings have the ability to learn new stuff, and people can become, can can learn the skills and read books to get them to an ability where they can harvest, where they can create a vaccine. Which is there's a lot of there's a lot of literature around that. Barra, there's a lot of literature around that's been basically unkept for 20 years. Books last a long time. Right, but also almost everything has been destroyed and reclaimed by nature in this world. There are no more universities. There are no teaching theaters. Like, unless you have someone who who knows, like, hey, I know how to perform brain surgery then something like that is not going to come around for a while. And unfortunately, Joel did not just kill him, but all of the doctors involved. And all of the other people. Yes. In the, in in the, the Firefly it, camp. It, it, it just seems very terrible. It, it, it just all seems very pat and convenient. And I think yes. it's it, instead of like this parable about revenge and killing Joel... I think that if you were going to do a sequel to it, it really would be more about what is the responsibility that somebody has when their personal health or life is balanced off against the needs of everyone. Like, to me, if you want to even touch that with a 10-foot pole, which The Last of Us, from what I heard, is a kind of game that people thought didn't need a sequel. Um, yeah. But, yeah. If, super did, but if you were going to do a sequel... I want to be able to play as Ellie again, I say, as a finger on the monkey's paw curls yeah. <laughs> I, I also I agree with you Barra and they actually explore that a lot in the cutscenes mm-hmm. and in flashbacks but the game's plot line for some reason isn't about that and I At think all. that is such a far more fascinating part of the whole storyline that has nothing to do with right <laughs> like Ellie, the, re- Ellie the revenge never, tale that they've woven like Ellie could total sort of brings it up but Never for once says Abby, like, if you kill me, if you shoot and kill me, your dad's death becomes totally pointless. That's the other question I had. Why didn't Abby, if Abby was all about her father's legacy, why didn't she, instead of shoot Joel, kidnap Ellie? So, when they catch up to Joel, they don't know that Ellie is... is the, the... one person in the world who's immune. Huh? How don't so, they know that? They don't. When they so when they first catch up and murder Joel, they don't know that Ellie is is the girl from from Last of Us One. Like nobody knows nobody except knows. for Joel and Ellie, because Joel murdered everyone right. else. Right, and it was very much like, don't tell people. You're yeah. immune. And even then at the end of Last of Us 1, it ended on such a, I don't want to say delightful, but such an ambiguous yeah. note of Ellie, like, you know, wakes up from all the shit in the hospital and she's like, so what happened? Did they figure it out? And Joel's like, no, it, it failed. Like, they, it didn't work out. They're going to try something else. And Ellie has a moment where she's like, I don't know if I believe you, but I'm going to roll with it. And Last of Us 2 does show that she does find out. 
but I think she already knew. Like, I, I think that... Oh, she, she, she had an inkling. Good. Yeah. Yeah, she had... That's the thing at the end. Like, even, like, being, like, you know, a 14, 15-year-old kid, she's like, I kind of feel like you're bullshitting me. But I'm grateful that we're alive. Mm-hmm. Let's go live our lives and figure it out from there. Yeah. You know, as we're talking about this, I think part of my problem with the story of The Last of Us Part Two, and again, I... I don't want to make it sound like I could have done it better because I'm not a game director. You probably could have. I'm not a game director. I'm not a writer. Like I'm not involved in all these decisions that are made with how the you know what the game development process is for a story. So I, but there, it felt to me like there were so many interesting things that could have happened that mm-hmm. didn't, and the pacing of the story in this was so odd to me that. I just wish it was told differently. And again, these are just my thoughts. I'm not like, you know, as this armchair writer, but like towards the very end of the game, it's, it's basically shown that Ellie has PTSD from Joel's killing. Oh, super. Like she has like this crazy nightmare scene in the, in the Mm -hmm. barn of this farm that she's living in with Dina at the very, towards the very end. I say towards the very end, but then I forgot that there's like another freaking six hours of gameplay. Yeah, that, after it. that is the point of the that is the point where I saw a lot of people saying, "Oh, I thought the game was going to end here. It's kind of a downer note, but maybe they'll make another right. one." And then the game's like, "Lol, no, oh, there's no, more." You're going to go to Santa Barbara. We're going to introduce a third group of terrible people who are also very stereotypical of something. Yeah. So, well, so you had the WLF, the the yep. wolves, who are your crazy paramilitary group. Yep. You had the Scars, a.k.a. the Seraphists, who are your batshit, zealous, religious fundamentalists. And now you've got the Rattlers, who are your raiders slash slavers. Yep. But I just w- I, I think it would have been interesting to explore the PTSD element throughout the story. Yeah, because they I, don't bring I, that up until that moment. Right. I thought... It's actually funny. I had a very interesting experience where... Obviously, at the beginning of, of the towards the beginning of the game, Abby kills Joel, and you 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 don't, you don't know why, right? Like they don't explicitly tell you why she killed him. She just says it's for revenge. So your mind's immediately thinking, okay, I wonder if it has to do with the end of The Last of Us One, because naturally that's it. So right. then you go to Seattle, and there was actually a moment that I don't know if Tristan you experienced this, but I was walking through the open area and I found a letter in Seattle that was signed by a private miller yes and I from that moment on I was like okay so there's something more interesting going on with this story because we there's a whole there's a whole part of Joel's life that we don't see in Last of Us 1 there's the beginning when he's with his actual biological daughter right and then and we jump 20 years then we jump 20 years in the future and right. he tells Ellie throughout the, the the game that he's done a lot of horrible things and he had, like, all these other lives. There's a part where he says, you know, I used to be a raider, basically. Yeah, so that's I how was, I know how raiders think. Yeah, I was, so I was really thinking, hoping... I was, I was yeah. really hoping it wouldn't have to do with the end of Last right. of Us 1. And that would actually, you know, expand the world a little right. more and expand you know, on some of the backstories. No. no. Turns out that Joel was terrible and did well i mean he murders a lot of people right so still bad but turns out he did all these horribly unforgivable things that you never knew about until this game nope doesn't yeah. explore it it was just the, the last of not us at thing. all 
PTSD. The, the, it was just... It's, it's all this very nice window dressing for our deep and thoughtful game about how revenge is bad. Right. Don't think about it, though. If you think too much, I'm going to get mad at you and at you on Twitter. Also, as someone who was born and raised in Seattle... Um, their maps are all manner of wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Which also took me out of it. Like, no, guys, the Space Needle is not on an island. Like, even if, like, the polar ice caps melted or something and there was massive flooding, the Space Needle still wouldn't be on an island. And it is also way closer to the Seattle Aquarium than, than you would believe. Is, is it just me or does it sound like that? The world of Last of Us One could have you could have created a lot more of an interesting game, whether if you wanted to take the perhaps foolish thing of expanding their story, or just like working with like a different story here. Like it's it just seems that this that uh, that there is other stuff that can that can be explored and that I, I don't know. It it sounds like Naughty Dog really want to like lean into an unnecessary amount of bleakness with kind of a a stayed point. At least that's what it's sounding like from y'all. That it's like that this bleakness isn't really telling anything new or interesting or even well executed about the human condition. And it also seems to have to go through a lot of um like just like hoops and jumps yeah. to get away from a more interesting story. Exactly. And I wonder if part of that's the budget thing. Like, they need to make something that they think is going to appeal. I don't know what the, the rationale is. No. I, I'll, I Sorry. Take what I say with a grain of salt, because again, I didn't play it. I just watched The Last of Us Part 2, the movie. But the parts that I enjoyed the most were the flashbacks with Ellie and Joel. Mm-hmm. Like... Those parts were great. Those parts were great little character moments. I'm sure if I had actually played the game, I would have had fun doing the shooty-shooty-bang-bang like I did in the first game. Yeah. But as a narrative, those are the only parts that... And I'm not even trying to say, oh, you know, you can't have media that's dark and scary and upsetting. A lot of my favorite pieces of media are dark and scary upsetting. But you need to be able to offset that. And it can't just be pain porn. Mm-hmm. Like, really, that's what a lot of this, at least the narrative from the way I consumed it, it just felt like pain porn. And I don't enjoy that. Yeah. Agreed. Like, like I said, this game is all about, like, like, don't you feel bad? You should feel bad. The cycle of viol- Don't you feel bad about the cycle of violence? See the cycle of violence. Feel bad about your actions. Do you feel bad? I'm like, yes, I feel bad. Great, now go murder all these guys. But does it even truly like give good, compelling reasons about why the cycle of violence is even happening in the first place? Like, I get that he, ca- I get that um, uh, Abby murders Joel for revenge, but you know, it's she doesn't sound like she really. I mean, Kirk Mount does at any point like her storyline be like, okay. Ellie's alive now. I'm gonna try to capture her to like help out my father's things. Like, it's, nope, nope. Because, because, like, one thing that drives me crazy a little bit about post-apocalyptic narratives and stuff is that it leans into human beings in the absence of like the current modern structure will just collapse and not build things. Yes. And yes. you know, one thing that we've found is that a lot of times human beings end up really being at their best 
when like structures are far away and like oh and they can build and expand and do great things especially when resources aren't a problem and everything that from what i've seen in the last of us is that resources out of game not in game in game it's like sounds like you know they have it's very you know you have to really save your bullets etc but it doesn't sound like that there's mass starvation it doesn't sound like there's a um uh to quote uh, to uh, there's like uh what's the, what's the face the advancing it's not an attack on titan situation where like the number of mouths to feed are a serious issue um and so in that absence when you have guns and food People aren't necessarily going to be shooting each other in little crazed groups. They're many times going to be like creating functional, stable empires. And yeah, they might go to war with each other, but they'll do it not as ragtag bands, but as like places with earthworks and with farms about farms protected by those earthworks. Yeah, I think mean, there's a whole section in the first game where you reunite with Joel's brother Tommy, who was a part of the Fireflies, and they have this whole really, honestly, kind of beautiful settlement that has running water yeah. and electricity. Like, the people in these environments are incredibly resourceful, and I really agree with you, Barra. Like, I'm getting so done with post-apocalyptic literature and media that's just like, human, human bad, human always do bad and never do good. And try to make things better. Like, I get it. People are shitty. I mean, look at the times we're living in right now. The shittiness isn't that people randomly stab people in the back. In fact, yeah. in a lot of times, the shittiness is people create institutions that then, you know, that then, like, you know, give you license to do awful things. And I'm not saying that, like, there isn't a dark, evil side to human nature. I'm just saying that, you know, it's not this whole thing like, oh, no rules, and suddenly I'll turn to the Joker. No, no rules, and you try to create rules and systems. Yeah. Well, and that's also not really ever been the thesis of the, honestly, at least for me, The Last of Us. And you, I guess you could argue, like, oh, no, the thesis is that people are bad and do bad things. But time and time again, you know, the first game, at least to a pretty good degree, has shown... Yeah, things suck, but we're trying to move on and make lives our lives better. And I like that narrative a whole lot. So I mean, then I guess the question is why in The Last of Us 2 haven't things been getting better and more settled? But because all these systems are being made by basically militarized yeah. Like militias. We haven't really talked about it, but there is a lot of that in this game. Like the game starts in Jackson, which is a which is the place in last I believe right in Last of Us One, where Joel's brother lives, and it's like a it's yeah. like a full on city with farms and all this other stuff. Like it's you know, and even the WLF headquarters, which is where Abby's story starts and where she is, it's built into a an old stadium in Seattle, mm-hmm. like a football stadium. But they have the same thing. They have all these farms and they have animals, you know, and they're you know they have shops or at least you know they're giving food out and things like that like they do have civilizations in here we haven't really touched on it but there are full-on civilizations these characters are acting out in my opinion especially ellie beyond sort of the civilization where they where they live like in fact towards the end that becomes the whole problem is dina wants ellie to stay and raise this child with her but ellie just can't let let 
the past go. But and she's fu- suffering from PTSD. But fuck it. Ellie needs closure. Right. And she fuck just kind of straight need, up leaves. But they have a, a beautiful car. farm that's gated on a hill and, you know, livestock and a nice house. And she just kind of leaves that to go hunt Abby. And to a degree, to a degree vice versa, but, or rather, um, the same thing for Abby, except I would argue that Abby's life is a little bit more militaristic, like her, the WLF are shown at least as kind of a military society. Yeah. So I guess to me then it's also like, and again, maybe... From what you guys are saying, and you know, take it with a grain of salt, for it's mostly just been from you, you and Alexis. It, 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 this game really could have just told a lot better of a story within the world again, but it just chose to do this revenge narrative where the cycle of it seems to be really based off like personal shit that's not even like you know. I mean, it didn't sound compelling enough for you guys to be really invested in it, which is saying something. I don't know. It's it's a it seems an odd thing to hang a tri- for a triple A title that's supposedly about the writing and the story. The fact that it's people are getting bored of it by the end of it is kind of damning. Not good. <laughs> well, it just it doesn't do like again. I think it's I think it's length first. <laughs> like they designed it with the length in mind, and the story doesn't do enough interesting things throughout the length of its runtime. It doesn't explore interesting concepts, and the gameplay doesn't either. So, you know, I've played plenty of games that are much longer than that. Mm-hmm. You know, I've breath. You know, we used we talked about my love affair with Breath of the Wild, right? That game's hundreds of hours long if you want it to be. I didn't get bored. Um, you know, per, you know, Persona Five. I don't know why that one pops in my head, but that's a long game. Hundred thirty hours first playthrough. Right. <laughs> right, but I enjoyed. I mean, I did. <laughs> I didn't finish it, but that honestly, I, I blame that more on other things that came out or happened at the time. But like, I invested a solid eighty to ninety hours in that, and I was still having a blast. Let's be real here. There's a reason why Skyrim keep Skyrim keeps on getting re-released, <laughs> and I'm not even in. You know, this in the Skyrim story isn't even like the most revolutionary, but it works. It fucking works. Um, and in, 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 and yeah, it's also an open world. There's there's other things, but like people. Oh, uh, you know, like the witch. I mean, The Witcher is like what, fifty, sixty hours? Way more than that. Oh, the way more. Three is two, three hundred oh, hours. Oh, Barra, Barra, you sweet summer child. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, people adore that, right? But, but, but then let's look at another game. Let's look at Donut County. Yeah. A game which is about an hour and a half long, says what it needs to say, and just as it's getting boring. Even at an hour and a half, two hours, it ends. You know, it's it's. it's or uh, but I still enjoyed yeah. it. Or how about Thomas was alone? Right. Oh, that game is brilliant. Oh, Thomas was How was long alone. is so Untitled good. Goose Game? Not even like, an hour and a half, right? I'd say like an hour and a half, two if you really want to stretch it. I mean, and I also think that like a short. I mean, we talked a lot about this a lot. Maybe this is also because we're getting older and our time. Yeah. is getting more stretched. Our time is fleeting on this earth! Oh, Billy! We all really enjoyed that the Outer Worlds, you could have a pretty full, yeah. near-complete, like, playthrough at 20 hours. We're like, 
this is good. And I feel that that can help you to savor it more. Uh, you know, it's like... It, yes. My my rebuttal to that, though, is... in a lot of people... You know, this game has spawned a lot of that length game-length conversation um, on the interwebs. And a lot of people are saying, well, just because it's too long for you doesn't mean that, you know, other people won't have the time for it. That's not the point. If, if a game is a hundred hours long and I'm enjoying it, I'll just play that 100 hour game. Yeah. You know, like Ali, you're playing final fantasy 14. You're still enjoying yourself. Like there's like the length is irrelevant just because you've put a lot of time into it and maybe not put time into other games. That's okay. You know, like, thank you for uh, being okay with my addiction. <laughs> I mean, I'll also, I'll segment and then basically, yeah, there are games where like the length, like at some point soon, probably I'm going to finally go through all three Mass Effect games and that's going to take me a really long time. It's time to start. Oh, you're going to be disappointed. I'm very curious to, <laughs> to whether I am or not. I somehow avoided spoilers for what actually happened in Mass Effect. Whoa, Whoa. Godspeed, you good sir. But, you know, I mean, I remember playing on G2 Mass Effect 1 for a long time, and I loved it. Similarly, really? like Resident Evil 4, at the pace that I played it, that was basically an entire semester. And right. I really enjoyed it. It's like, if you don't play a ton of video games, playing, keep finishing a long game will take a long time. And, mm-hmm. and that's okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're not asking for Last of Us 2 to get cut down to like some sort of ridiculous speed run length. It's it's a matter of a story overstaying its what, welcome. What, yeah. I, what I what I am telling what I am telling people, and this is corroborated by a lot of other people who I would I would argue have fairly like I don't know what the word is like rational thoughts about this game on the internet. <laughs> Is that? I've never had a rational <laughs> thought about a video game ever. How dare you? When the, at the end of Ellie's section of the game, when she gets into a confrontation in the theater with Abby, which is the point where it. So basically, what happens is Abby and Ellie get into a confrontation at the theater, which is this place that Ellie's been returning to throughout her section. It's about twelve to fifteen hours into the game. When that moment happens, I was sure that the game was about to end. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying. Okay, cool. Now they're gonna duke it out, and here it comes. Here comes the end of the game. Yeah, this is the showdown. Right, and I didn't have a problem with it. I was like, okay, it said what it needed to say. I had some interesting encounters, and now it's time for this game to end, and it makes sense. The game then <laughs> then switches gears to Abby's story from the very that, beginning. It puts yep. you all the way back at day one, and it's like, no, you're gonna sit down. And you're going to see this whole story again from the other side, from the other point of view. Also, here's, here, here, are better, here are better puzzles for Abby than what Ellie has. Here are more interesting fights. Here's a boss fight, right? You get to fight the Rat King, which is this massive zombie thing, which is just awesome, yeah. I thought. Um, I, will, I will say the Rat King was, was really cool. Yeah. Um, and just a lot of really interesting set pieces and segments with the Abby thing. And I was just, <laughs> just like, you could have, con- I felt like they could have condensed all the best parts into a really tight, amazing yeah. 12 to 15 hour experience. Or, but anyway, if, sorry. Because that's how long did... the original Last of Us was, wasn't it? Like 15, 20 yeah. hours? It was, it was perfect. I've replayed that game probably like four times. Or if they had, or if they had interleaved, like, like 
Allie and Abby's. Like, if you played a bit as Ellie and then switched over to Abby and then switched back to Ellie and then switched back to Abby. Like, so they were telling the stories concurrently. That probably would have been okay. I, you know what, Tristan? I kept thinking that when I was watching Geek Remix play through it. I kept thinking, like, okay, like, things are kind of a little hinky already with the flashbacks and stuff. But if they had, like, somehow weaved Ellie and Abby's stories together, because clearly they want to make parallels between right, these exactly. two characters. Like, it's very obvious. That could have worked. And, like, I don't know if it would have totally solved the problem of Abby being really unlikable. Oh, it totally would have. But it would have done a lot more to explain Abby who she is as a person. So I'm very glad and you brought that up, Allie, because I've got a question for y'all. Like, so, A, I was just going to ask, like, would it improve if it was, like, switching back and forth as, a, as opposed to doing a, a big Ellie section and a big Abby section? But I, I probably would have finished the it, game if it had been. What's that? I probably would have finished playing the game if it had been interleaved like that. Um, but another question, too, is is that, like, if it was interweaved, or even if it was in the same model, would the story... Like, how much better would it have been if Abby was a more likable character? And Because it sounds like that there are, like, some really simple, like, things that could have been done to her character in terms of, like, you know, maybe not make her torture Joel to death, maybe just shoot him in the head. Um... Oh, and also just like maybe have her have some very compelling reasons about why she's with who she is and what she believes in, and maybe not fuck a guy with a pregnant wife, pregnant girlfriend. Like, I know, like would that have would that have improved the game if it really was showing that like two people who you like can can uh, can be on opposite sides of a conflict? I think totally, Vera. Yeah. I really, I think they could have done that. Because I mean, that's that's a sa- that's still not taking advantage of the world development, but it's telling a story that's interesting. Where it's just like you know, yeah, revenge is bad is always a is, is a compelling story, but it's something that you know you've gotta you gotta nail. And I think also in the course of one of the good ways to do revenge is bad is make it is show the basic humanity of two people who are trying to murder each other Mm -hmm. yeah that's and that's the thing too like i i'm glad that they at least to a degree acknowledge hey ellie's really suffered because of what's been going on she has ptsd it's bad but like they don't do as good of a job of doing abby that same justice of humanizing her and giving her this backstory like at least from a creative side from everything i've seen at least on my twitter timeline and on forums and stuff everything that people are coming to with abby to humanize her is like stuff that people have to infer from the game Mm -hmm. that's not good storytelling that's i'm glad you said that because i was you know they they really do abby has that nuance in her character but the game doesn't really explore that like for example right like you know her dad she walks into this hospital and her dad and like everybody else that she knows practically has been murdered by this person right it's fucking who's just, awful who's just escaped so she's like confused why is everybody dead so you know they, but they don't really they don't really dig into things like that like they they almost they they show them, but they kind of gloss over them at the same in the same time somehow. If that makes sense, it's no. That completely yeah. makes sense. That completely makes she sense, goes, Dan. Like she goes from that to I'm going to hunt down the guy who killed my dad and kill him, and that's uh, basically my one driving character. Right. But like, also, also her relationship with Owen, 
the the guy who she has sex with there's a long lasting re- friendship and relationship they've had since they were children right mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know there's like this dynamic between her and mel the you know um is it is explicitly his his wife or they just, is it just she's just carrying his his child and their boyfriend girlfriend anyway I, f- I, f- I forget, but they it, again, are but, they are but, like, com- like a committed pair. Right. But my confusion should tell you all you know, all you yeah. need to know. Like I, they don't they don't yeah. really they don't really explore it in a way that makes you want to. Like I want so badly to sympathize with Abby, and I just can't. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, that's the thing. Is that's the thing I kept thinking to myself too. Dan is like, I. I understand where she's coming from. Like, I can only imagine how horrifying, if that were me in that situation, what it would be like to walk into that scene. But then they don't do enough to make her a compelling human being. And that sucks. Because honestly, I think having, like, ostensibly somebody who you want to hold up as a mirror to Ellie is, in theory, a really cool idea. I love it when media can pull that off. I think it's so fascinating. And then... But they just... They don't. Right. Yeah. And then she does all that stuff. You kill an army of people, right, in the gameplay. And now you're expected to believe that she suddenly cares about these two people in Yara and Lev who. Yeah, <laughs> I don't believe it at all. Yeah. It, no. it, it still makes having finished the game and thought about it for a couple of weeks. It's still I don't understand why she cares so much about these two random children. <laughs> based yeah. on her character and what we're told about her character. Right. Like, like from everything we've been told about her character, she would just go, oh, two, two scars. Kill them. Bye. Kill them. Right. Yep. Also, fuck the scars. Oh, I... So the one thing we didn't talk about in gameplay, I know you and I have a different, different, uh, different opinion on that. I truly enjoyed the fights with the with the Seraphites. Um, they were kind of unsettling in a, in a different way because they whistle to say communicate with each other. So like, you'll be like sneaking through no, the grass no, no, and they'll be whistling things oh, to no. each other. Like it's kind of a neat little sort of stealth counter stealth. Yeah, right. Um, but no, just, just fuck any group that their first introduction is shooting you in the shoulder with an arrow. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You climb up, you climb up a hill and get immediately shot in the shoulder with an arrow. Yeah. That is their introduction. Mm-hmm. Like, excuse well, me. Well, doesn't, like, Abby's whole story... I'm, I'm trying to remember no, that's, if it's, like... That's his Ellie. No, I'm, I'm just trying to remember, at least with Abby, because Abby's whole thing starts with her, like, getting... Is it like she's shot or her arm is broken or something like that? That's, um, that's Yara. So that's, that's the Yara. girl. Oh, that's Yara. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, no, just, just, just fuck these people because we, we even see how they treat each other and everyone. It, it's just they've, they've like, broken her arm, I think, because she's helping Lev escape. Yep. Because yeah. Lev is trans. Yep. And oh, and being and trans bear in mind. Bad, oh, no, oh, and be, not just, yeah, not just, you know, not just. It's not just that Lev is trans and that's bad. It's Lev doesn't want to be a girl because. Lev was promised to be a child bride mm. to one of the elders. <sighs> Don't forget that little nugget. I just there is there are like there, there's it's no ghoulish. one likable. 
in this game. Like, that's the thing I keep thinking about is, like, it's ghoulish, everything. It's awful. Also, also, I, I think we've kind of, exp- uh, like, insinuated it, but there are just way too many characters in this game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to there's, be fair, a, there's a lot of people. To be fair, most of them only exist to be hunted down and murdered and make you feel bad for murdering them. True, but one of the things I appreciate about Last of Us is it really was a story of two people. And the the people that you meet throughout are these small stories. Like Mm -hmm. the guy, you know, the guy who runs that garage and has that town. All all booby-trapped up. The booby-trapped town, and then the next story about the father and son, and then you know, honestly, like the story about Tommy, his Joel's brother, it was really mm-hmm. just like a one-off story in the first game. Like it was one chapter. I mean, he's inter- intertwined to the rest of the story, but that that chapter's about him. And then the. I mean, I think. Oh, you were talking about. I think it was Henry and yeah, Sam, Henry and right? Sam, yeah. Yep. Yeah, the the two brothers. I mean, that. I think about that plot line, and it still like makes me choke a little. It's so fucking sad. But they did it so well. So when uh, about two, about two and a half hours ago, <laughs> um, I, I recommended that people who haven't uh, go back and listen to our Last of Us One spoiler cast, and I also said that I felt like like they backtracked on everything I liked from Last of Us One and doubled down on everything I disliked from Last of Us One for mm-hmm. this one. How do you guys feel in relation to that statement now that we've been talking about it? Because we've been talking about it in comparison to Last of Us 1 because it's the sequel you're going to compare it to the first one. Um, uh, my, my take, just says, you know, I'll, I'll be quick, um, is I still think, to me, Last of Us 2 is a far better game to play than Last of Us 1 when you are not factoring in any of the story beats that being said I think that the reason why we're talking about The Last of Us Part 1 so much is that most of this conversation is about the story and I think that far and away The Last of Us Part 1 has one of the better stories in video games that I, at least that I've played and certainly better than this one yeah I, again listeners please take what I say with a with a caveat of I didn't play it but narratively I just the first one is leaks better and I don't even think that's me with nostalgia goggles on I just I I feel gross yeah after watching what's happened in that game I feel gross and I'm honestly so relieved like seriously y'all should see these DMs Tristan had been sending us of him playing it. He just sounded so goddamn miserable and I felt so bad for it him. It was not enjoyable. At all. Like, there's a difference between I'm not enjoying a game because it's kind of hard and I kind of suck at it versus this game is just like, making me feel bad. Bad for the sake of making feel me feel bad. bad. Not to mention on top of, like, it, it's... I'm not giving Naughty Dog a cent of my money for this game because of the way that they treated their workers in the process oh, yeah. of making this game. So, uh, here's a question that I have for y'all, which is, what does this mean, this game, both in terms of the product is, the sales are, I assume the sales have been good. Yes. 
Oh, so, oh yeah, it made gangbusters. Yeah, because it's the sequel to The Last of Us and was overhyped out the wazoo. So, you know, what is, I guess, you know, from with the final product, how it was done, like, what's been revealed about, you know, it's Naughty Dog, not Transport. Like, what does this all mean for the future of Naughty Dog? Because we all know that Naughty Dog has created a lot of things that we all have liked over the years. It's, I mean, you know, I know that you particularly, Alec, like, you know, you were, you're, a, you're one of the big Uncharted stands that I know. Um, and, you know, we've all enjoyed Crash. Um, and, and, you know, The Last of Us was, you know, the first one was something it sounds like everybody really liked. So, where is Naughty Dog going from here? Is there going to be, is there, are they just going to make The Last oh. of Us 3? Do we feel that they're capable of making a game like the original Last of Us or the Uncharted that people like, like so. more? Like, what, what do we think the future of this, of this studio is that has created a lot of games that people like? And in this case, one where it sounds like the gameplay was great, but like the story is miserable. Yeah, so, Barra, uh, so I'm just going to preface this really fast. Um, I was never really a Naughty Dog fan. I was always more of an Insomniac fan. <laughs> Between the two. I, I greatly preferred uh, Ratchet and Clank over Jack and Daxter. Like, the, the Uncharted series is one I've picked up here and there, but I've never been, like, super religious about. Um, to answer your question, and from my standpoint, uh, Barra, the next game that Naughty Dog is putting out is Crash Bandicoot 4. I thought that was a different studio. It, it's going to be microtransactioned out the ass. But I, I thought it, I thought that this was go it was sequeling to the Naughty Dog ones, but I thought a different I thought Crash was a different studio. Yeah, they normally are, yeah. That it's still like it's it's still a continuation of a Naughty Dog license, right? But Toys for Bob is making it, which I think is going to be, which I mean I I think I'll be different and, uh, and uh, well for Activision. So it's like it's a so I mean I can't necessarily I mean that would be like blaming Bungie for whatever three four right three. for Halo Five right yeah. yeah. Um, I think the next game is going to be Uncharted 5. I really hope it's not. I hope it's not, but I think it is going to be. Like, it's... So I, I'm I'm kind of from the, the opposite side of the fence of Tristan. I grew up loving a lot of the old Naughty Dog games. And when Uncharted first came out, I think it was... How old was I? Like 17 or something? I was like, oh, this is so different. This is so new. Like, this is so cool that I'm trying to do. And not not that I'm saying I'm like, ooh, I stay in the big company or anything because companies aren't your fucking no. friend. They wouldn't piss on you if everyone, you were on fire. Everyone, please, <laughs> gamers, everyone listening to this, please stop simping for the corporations. <laughs> Elon Musk isn't going to give you money on Twitter just because you defended him in an internet argument. No. Nor is he going to give you but, access to his OnlyFans. <laughs> he has an OnlyFans? But the thing, it made me really excited to see what kind of things they could do. And, like, especially with Last of Us 1, I was like, okay, hell yeah. Like, cool zombie story, really serious, good writing. And, like, I still stand behind that game as one of the best games 
made. Which game? Like, ever. Last of Us. Original oh, yeah, Last yeah. of so Us. So one thing I'm actually going to put out here in terms of, like, potentially um, uh, why Crash 4 could be quite good is, and again, I don't know about the mic- microtransactions part, and if, but um, but the people who remastered, Toys for Rob remastered the, the first three Crash games, which I've been playing as the remastered, and they're a really sweet remaster of it. So, like, um, also, interestingly enough, Toys for Bob, like, did the Star, did Star Control 2, which is probably huh. one of my favorite games of all time, and it's free. If anybody wants to have a good experience, I, in terms of an epic story, and also just ponder how much Mass Effect ripped something off, um, <laughs> play the original Star Control 2 and I, have a blast. I, Bera, I maintain to this day, not that it's the most original plotline, but I maintain to this day, no matter how many times people from Bioware said they didn't, somebody on that writing staff really loved Babylon 5. I will maintain that until the day I I'm fucking pre- die. Like, again, play Star Control 2 and then also ponder um, how that they that someone must have played that game. There's a there's a there's a rover sequence that's a lot like the and it looks just like the Mako. But anywho, in terms going back to your question, Vera, in terms of what the future holds for Naughty Dog, um, I don't know. I really hope that Dan is wrong and they don't do an Uncharted Five because Uncharted Four ended on a perfect note. It was just... It blew me out of the water. Agreed. But a perfect note and with which a sequel could be made. Sh- shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Please, we already saw what happened when everybody wished for an Ellie game. That perfect note, and it was really hard to make a sequel, and they did it anyways. And honestly, in with everything that's gone on at that company i think it's like every other big video game company and just needs to get rid of all the muck even if it means starting that shit from the ground up it's like go ahead and read what jason schreier wrote about how things were conducted at that company like that shit made me sick to read it it's it's absolutely vile like, and I don't know what happened between the first one and the second one to make that jump so fucking big. Yeah. It's mind-boggling. Wait, so that article is saying that the company was better to work for when our, when when the when the first Last of Us was made? No, no, it was. Um, I'll link it to you, Bear. But it's basically this whole piece that he did talking about like how people were mistreated making that game, including making them watch right. what was essentially snuff films. Yeah. Like, yeah, because, no, to because... To understand how human bones break in things. And, and because you have to know, you know, what what is it actually like when someone is lynched? Because we gotta, we gotta get that, that authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Neil Druckmann, who's the the head honcho of not like Naughty Dog and whatnot for Last of Us said like, oh, I was inspired to make this game because I saw a lynching. Yeah, there's like what the fuck? Yeah, because there is a like, like there there is something to be said for an artist like pursuing authenticity in their work, but that is oh completely that is for an artist making their own art. Yeah, not to make other people suffer and like right. 
get actual fucking PTSD from working on this thing with you. Because that is an artist willingly choosing to subject themselves to that. And being able to choose to stop. If they're like, okay, okay, nope, nope, I don't need that much authenticity in this. They have that power. This is not that. Yeah, no, there is the, 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 there, there's a there's a lot there's a lot wrong there. Right, and and like there there's there's a reason. So in Hollywood, there is a reason why violence in movies is stylized the way it is. And the reason why violence in movies is so stylized is to distance it from reality. Violence in reality yeah. is so much it's so much less it's so in reality violence like that is almost mundane it's less about the guts and gore flying everywhere well it's it's just like like someone who gets shot in a movie is a spe- there's a spectacle to it that is that has nothing to do with the reality of it and the mundanity of actual violence is perhaps the most terrifying and chilling part of it so i'm gonna this is gonna sound very odd but like actual violence and this is from someone who you know has not been to war and i've never seen someone shot in front of me but i have seen videos of like you know people shot and killed and stuff etc and the thing about, from what I've seen, stuff, and, you know, and I've also, you know, seen animals shot, etc., uh, is is that like the violence is, and like especially gun violence, is oftentimes not cinematic. It is super not. That's what I'm trying to get no. at. No, yeah, is that it's it's almost mundane. The whole like old James Bond movies where someone is shot and then clutches and collapses and there's like no blood or anything is a lot closer to a lot, a number yeah, of yeah. shooting deaths, especially if it's just, like, to the abdomen, or even, like, when you kill a deer and stuff, because it's like there is a hole, and then, you know, and sometimes there's a gory wound, but a lot of times there isn't. Um, yeah, the trauma like I said, is there's a no pomp and circumstance to it. Which yeah. is an awful thing in and of itself. Yeah, like, like I said, it's almost mundane as compared to the spectacle of violence in other forms of media, in, in forms of media. That violence in real life like that, it's, it's, there's so much less pageantry. There's so much less spectacle. And it's more chilling for that. And so when you're working on something like a movie or what have you, you know, there's that, there's that barrier. There's that, that disconnect. And when you try and subject people to when when your desire for authenticity is trying to push people towards uh, towards breaking down that barrier if that isn't a conscious choice by the person making the art that is monstrous anyone who does that to an employee of theirs whose lifeline is and job is on the line for it because let's face it in the games industry it is it is anyone who does that is a monster i will read through this thing but it's all it's all it's yeah. all incredibly that's all incredibly disturbing 
It's like, you know what it makes me think of is like, I know this isn't really related, but it just made me like have this like kind of vivid memory of being on the internet as like a kid and being linked like really horrible, violent things by just strangers. Yep. Strangers did and that like, to you, Allie? Oh, yeah, oh, when Vera. I was, like, 11 on AOL Instant Messenger. Oh, Vera, you sweet summer child. <laughs> I want to I, 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 like, I deliver violence to people now, Allie. That's awful. <laughs> yeah. Vera, Vera, Allie and I, we grew up in the wild west of the internet. <laughs> I have seen some shit. Like, it just, like, there's this bizarre fascination people have with realism, and it's like... yeah. And showing that realism to people, like, and it's not cool. It is not cool. Like, like Tristan said, if that's what you want to do to perfect your art, knock your fucking socks off. Right. Whatever. You've got a stronger will than I do. But don't you dare fucking show that shit to me. Or force someone ever. else to look at it on your behalf. Yeah. It's... Yeah like legit there are people who've worked for that company that are going to just have so much trauma from working for them now beyond the usual bullshit trauma from crunch and i feel so fucking bad for them because but art i did it for the art no you know what like don't just fucking don't you know by the time we get to the next Naughty Dog release, will we even be able to play video games anymore? Like, will any of us be able to purchase things knowing, like, what all of these... Like, it... Like, I don't I, know. I, I, honestly, I don't know. I've already know. decided that I'm not going to be purchasing a Ubisoft game for a long time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Same. It's... So... I'm trying to figure out where those lines reason, are right now. <laughs> well, so the only reason I bought Last of Us 2 was because I knew we were going to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, yep. like let's let's be I mean, yeah, I think that how you how the the ethic the ethics of of of, of consumption I mean, this is going to be trite, uh, but you know, the ethics of consumption under capitalism are you know, are are murky at best and you know, the line where you draw it like is it you know, I mean, I think that all of us are fairly okay or we have been because we've bought a lot of video game well, oh but a lot of video games collectively between us with buying products from people that underpay their that underpay their workers that's just chronic in a lot of video games so that then okay is the line then you underpay them but they have like a decent work life balance it's like okay um and then how much crunch is too much crunch and if it's no crunch, then like you know, are you only is it the only the super meat boy people that you're supporting? Um, which you know, I know those aren't the only people who do it, but you know, like that was cool that they did that, and I know there is something. But then yeah. it's like, okay, but what about if they then there's found out to be that there was a particularly vile person in management who is uh, inappropriately propositioning their employees? That mean you don't support the game that game because, and then aren't you penalizing some of the people who may have really liked the game but had to deal with the creeper in their office? And this is not me saying, like, just throw up your hands and don't make ethical decisions. I think that's always, like, personal stuff. It's just, like, this this industry is so bad to people from a worker's rights perspective that it's just really hard for me. Like, I want to think that the folks that may control 
are a decent company because I haven't heard horror stories about it. But again, we are dealing with an industry that is not unionized and has really bad pressures, and that is fucking is big. garbage. And it's it's hard to really feel comfortable with near. And also, humans are humans, and capable of doing gross things, even with, even within st- within structures that are good. So it's just like, I mean, the only thing I think you, so it's. I know I'm 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 blathering here, but it's it's a it's a tough line, and I think that we're gonna still could yeah. I do think we will still be buying video games, but I think there may be some places where we draw lines at, and 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 I think and hope as as friends and as peers and as content creators ourselves, we continue to have those discussions about like when we feel a group or a creator or whatever has crossed a line, and we should explain it to each other and our and our viewers because. You know, that's going to be a thing, and I think that the only thing that makes this better is if this just becomes a better industry to work in. Because yeah. right now, when I think of the video game industry, I think of a place that abuses its workers. Um, I mean, let's be real. Rockstar sounds like, in many ways, a little better than most because they do crunch, but they actually pay people the overtime, which is awful. But that that paying people the overtime for the abuse that is crunch is insane but like actually paying people that overtime is is better than the alternative which is no compensation whatsoever for this yeah i think there are two in i know this is gonna sound okay i don't this may sound silly and a little like oh woe is me but i think the honestly the i'm not saying this is gonna fix the problem but for me personally the thing that I need to get over and that I think a lot of people need to get over and this is going to sound dumb but is FOMO. Mm -hmm. Like, oh no, I missed the release of next big video game. Now I don't know what's happening and it's like I said before, I say, you know what, I'm consciously not buying this game. I'm going to watch a playthrough of it from a pair of creators that I appreciate and respect. I'm not giving this company my money and I know that sounds silly and naive to say that that's my way of getting back at them rah 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 but it's a step like how many times do people buy games not because they're that interested in them but because oh no I'm missing out on the thing and all of my friends are playing the thing just described Call of Duty and it's entirely exactly thank you Tristan like that's exactly it although to be fair Call of Duty I think has had such success because there's a social element. That that's what we mean. But that's that's part of it, Barra. Like, that's that's part of it. Like, oh, you know, like if I don't have the new Call of Duty, I'm not playing with my friends. Or if I don't play the new Assassin's Creed, everybody's gonna be talking about it, and I won't be able to talk about it with them. And ah, spoilers! Ah, and it's like it's not. It's not that big a deal. It is. Do I get annoyed if somebody tells me the plot to something that I'm trying to enjoy without knowing that plot? Sure. Is it the end of the fucking world? No, it's not. I'm not missing I mean, out. I also th- I, I, I'm glad you mentioned FOMO, uh, because I do think that that is something that does drive a lot of purchases. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, I think that it's also, like, uh, a question of... But they, uh, w- with games and stuff too, it's like you know. I mean, you can avoid you can avoid spoilers 
by him it was just like having you know like a considerate friend group on the one hand and or going on YouTube just just going on YouTube going on YouTube is gonna oh gonna just in general I cannot tell you like how like I open up YouTube and right on my recommendations page it's some video that has a spoiler in the title well I have like like you fucker I have I have other problems with YouTube's algorithm and recommended oh, videos, but that's be... but we'll be here for another forty five minutes if I start yeah, that. Yeah, so we're I'm talking not about YouTube today. <laughs> I think the last thing too with phone is that like I think maybe we're also like dealing and you know I think move, perhaps moving on from a part of you know video game and nerd culture where I think once upon a time things were a combination of both cheaper and uh, and you know like and and discussion of like the next thing was just like the main the new thing was the main glue that held a lot of things together that like people were just like keeping up on everything more and maybe it's also just because we are like now the olds at this point i mean i think everybody on this cast except I'm, for Ali i'm not old you're old what? <laughs> Allie, are you also in your 30s now i am in my okay, 30s now 30s. i'm basically fucking dead according to the internet <laughs> what happened so, and, you know like and and so it's just like you know, it's like, you know, so maybe it's that's it's a function of that, but I also think it's a function of, you know, there is there at this point there have been so many great games that have come out, like legitimate stand the time classics or even just the things I missed from a few years ago that quite frankly, I don't need to be playing the next new thing. I can just like pick up something that is that people say was really good from a few years ago and mm -hmm. enjoy it. See me starting Doom 2016 for the first time yesterday after I bought it for five dollars. So it's just like so. I think there's also this thing too where it's like this another weird cut, which I think another fascinating dynamic as well. It's just like you know, it's, you don't have to catch up onto it. But I mean, you know, who knows? Maybe the kids who love their mumble rap are also just like doing what we were we were doing in terms of like must consume all the new media. And oh sure, I mean back in college when I could i was probably buying new crap that i didn't need all the fucking time like did i need to buy every single new pokemon at launch probably not mm. but i did because i love it and i probably will until the day i die right. no matter what no and again all these things are fine it's just like it's, it's I, know, I think it's different different stages and yeah i think but i think at least for me, I mean, I've never had a lot of FOMO for many things personally, but it hasn't been my own struggle, but I feel like it's probably healthy for folks to get into a stage where like you buy and play the games you want to play. Cause let's be real. There's so many great games out there. Mm -hmm. you don't, exactly. You, you here, here. It, I feel like if you are bored at any point playing a game, unless you hear from people that know, get through this part, it's fine. Um, and then it'll be great. You shouldn't be playing it. Like you should no. be playing something Agreed. that's amazing. Mm -hmm. You could be like it, it's like movies at this point in terms of like you know you could be watching you know don't watch a boring movie if you could be watching something that can like satisfy the itch itch better. You have streaming services. Go forth, my son. I miss the <laughs> days of being able to just go to my friends and say, "Hey, can I borrow this?" Mm -hmm. and just Speaking borrow a game from somebody. And that's, and that's more the fact that I've, you know, moved away from a lot of people who I would do that with anyways, and now I don't do that because of the Rona. Yeah. Uh, but, speaking, of which, speaking of which, Dan, why did you not buy a physical copy of Ghost of Tsushima? 
I could take that off your hands for you. Come on. <laughs> I was actually um, going to say, that's another one of those things that I consciously decided, you know what, I'm just going to either buy it used or borrow it from somebody. Because yeah. I, I have my own kind of eh feelings about it. So I'm just, you know what, I'm just going to wait to play it. Sure, maybe nobody will be talking about it in a year, but I don't really give a fuck. It's get, it's getting a little better now, the game. But honestly, I don't buy much of anything physical anymore. I, I've, I've, I've come back around on the digital versus physical game preservation stuff, and right now I think I'm in Team Digital. But that'll, that's a story. yeah. A lot of what I get now is digital, but I, I try to unless if it's something that I'm like holy shit, like, I actually want to holy enjoy sh- this day one. Right. I holy wait. shit, Metal Wolf Chaos. Gotta get that on physical. <laughs> like, you know, I got a Super Nintendo with a bunch of gold cartridges. Now, my Super Nintendo still works. It's yellow, but it still works. <laughs> yeah. But one day, I'll hit, I'll flip that switch, which has no feedback to the user, and it won't turn on. And all of those games will no longer... Well, I guess I could buy another Super Nintendo. Right. But maybe one day that won't exist. And I, it's just, you know, it's... And, and, you know, at that point it's like, does it really matter that I don't have Yoshi's Island anymore? Probably not. But anyway. Well, I mean, I do... Th- I mean, I think games preservation is a whole other... Thing and I, you know, as, yes. as a, sorry, we're <laughs> no, 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 looking at you, Scott Pilgrim video is, game, but crying. It, but, 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 I mean, just it's still on that. my, it's still on my PS3. Same. I'm never getting rid of my PS3. It's, just it's still on my PS3, and my PS3 has remained unconnected to the internet. I can still play Scott, the Scott Pilgrim. Same. Brawler. See, Tristan, you are a man of culture. So, wait, <laughs> I also so saw if you, I also Scott saw Pilgrim have, uh, PT. Game, is deleted if you connect your PS3 to the internet. It becomes unplay. It can become unplayable. Oh wow! Right. So this because, is that's, this is the other yeah. side of digital media. Well, I mean, I think that there is. I mean, as so as a, as a history person, as a fierce history nerd, like I think that it's really important that get you know that we preserve our video games, and you know I think it's going to be fascinating how people do that with. Um, with things like Super Nintendo and original Nintendo cartridges. I mean, I hope that there are enough scholars taking things seriously that they're preserving both those cartridges and those machines, and also, quite frankly, learning how to build new ones for the purposes of, you know, like, being able to play something well, um, or, if you, you know, go for, back, for preservation. If you go back far enough, at least you have the ROM community, which is a sticky legal point, but at least you have people out there who are preserving the actual game data mm. yeah no i mean so I, and i think that that's that's also that's also fascinating and, but again you know again as we said there's a lot of great games um one of the cool things about why you can play star control 2 is that they put it free online on the internet so i don't know if if this was a game where they didn't do that and you just had to still like use the floppies to put it in i mean you know who knows how many people could enjoy what is a beautiful experience um, so yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a lot of stuff around that that, it, that probably we should do a full episode on um, or multi-part series because yeah, yes, agreed. Sorry, this is my own fault for bringing that piece up. No, no. <laughs> listen, this has been one of our more wide-ranging conversations, and 
I honestly think that after so many tight episodes that it's nice to go back to, which were great, it's nice to go back to the opposite side of the great spoiler cast spectrum where we're literally talking about everything. Yeah, I'm, I'm really... This is, I mean, not to, toot, not to toot our own horn, but I think we've been on fucking fire and we deserve a little... Just I'm going to go... Breathing. Yeah, I'm going to go grab another deliciously cool alcoholic beverage and I'm going to enjoy the shit out of it. <laughs> Before you enjoy that beverage though, um, Tristan, where can we find you? Uh, very, very, especially now, very, very rarely on Twitch at twitch.tv slash the underscore millenialist. Which is also on our, um, on spoilermedia.net on the homepage if you want to yep. find the mm-hmm. link to that so you can subscribe. Um, another uh, stream on there is yours, Allie. Yes, even though I haven't done it in a while. Oopsie. It's okay. But uh, you can find me on Twitter at Hey Linda Linda. That's Linda spelled L Y N N D A, and that's the same as my Twitch. Please stop by. I post lots of pictures of my cute cat. She's so fucking cute. I cry. I can attest to that. Um, Bera. You can find my writing in journalism at the Daily Hampshire Gazette. Um, you can find my updates on that and your new work at uh, Baradouna on Twitter. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, you can you can find uh, my comments on uh, on spoiler uh, on this beautiful spoiler cast, uh, this this podcast that really means so much to me. And uh, people should go through the archives if they like this episode and take a look at it because we have. We have some really fire takes on video games and movies, and uh, yeah, I like to think that it's nice to hear us four friends talk. It's it's actually funny you mention that. It's been really encouraging looking at the stats lately and seeing that more than ever before in like the past few weeks. People are maybe it's maybe it's because of COVID. I don't know, but people have started to go back through the the library. It feels like after they hear one of the newer casts. Oh, nice. It's it's nice and it's special and it's like it kind yeah. of kind of funny to look back on how many episodes there are and like so much <laughs> so much podcast that that is at your fingertips <laughs> almost eighty episodes yeah and I just have a quick question it's like what what are some of like the big ones that people seem to be uh, looping back to well people, people are just going back, back and listening to all of them oh, wow that's so cool yeah that's so it's, cool it's really it awesome me, it makes me so happy um which seems which is pretty cool but um. Now, but, I mean, before we... th- but before this podcast, maybe I don't know what this one's going to do. Probably not as much. But the Last of Us one, I think, is still our most popular one of yeah. all the podcasts we've ever done. That that in uh, Persona. Yep. <laughs> well, it's so. So speaking of which, so I have uh, recently come into a surplus of extra JoJo's accoutrements. Um, and I'm going to put this out here right now. At some point, I would really like to do a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure spoiler cast and a giveaway so that I can offload some of this extra stuff Great. <laughs> to our listeners. I think that would be awesome. Wait, Tristan, what kind of stuff? So I, <laughs> so I ordered. Uh, so I ordered the special edition Blu-ray. For Phantom Blood and Battle Tendency when it came out. The Blu-rays. Um, and for some reason, 
at no extra charge to me, I got sent two. So I have an unopened special edition collection of the Blu-rays for parts one and two of JoJo's. Tristan, you have no idea how much my eyeballs are bulging out of my skull right now. (laughs) And if we actually do a JoJo's podcast, lovely listeners, that could be yours. Could I pretend to be a lovely listener? (laughs) So I was just going to say, Allie, I think what we'll do is for the giveaway, we'll IP block you that way. No! (laughs) No! Maybe I'll just give Allie the gift, this gift myself. I think think what we'll... Conspirator, I will also IP have, well, I'll also have basically a whole other collection of um, the Diamond is Unbreakable manga with the new releases because somehow I've I've somehow bought duplicates of like two volumes of that. Um, so I may just buy a whole other set and be like, and this will go to another lucky winner. Ooh, that's a good idea, Tristan. So we can have two lucky winners. Uh, and I think what we'll do is we'll probably create an email address just for the giveaway that, and have people submit uh, why they deserve <laughs> uh, why they deserve to get a free copy of JoJo's stuff. Sounds because good. JoJo's is good? Because it's great. It's so dumb, but so good, but so dumb, it's but like, so brilliant, <sighs> but so dumb. It's it's a gay icon, and I love it so fucking much. <laughs> like, my god, just... JoJo's, JoJo's god. Bizarre Adventure is Araki discovering his sexuality over the course of 30 years. Like, the thing is, like, <laughs> I feel like there are people who watch JoJo's and just don't get how inherently queer it is. And then when they find oh. out, they're like, what? A bit? It is so... Wait, the like, creator like, of JoJo's is gay? Oh, no. But it is... Tw- well, at least I don't believe so. I haven't heard Not anything. That we too- know of. Not that Not we know that of. Not that we know of. But there are a lot of really beautiful guys in it's, that It's series. like beautiful men, beautiful men who cry, beautiful men who vogue, beautiful men who, like, declare how much they care about each other. It's like... Even if that's not his intent, it's just, like, it's so steeped in, like, fashion culture and art and music that you can't deny that there's something there. And it's, you know what, even if the whole point of it is to not be queer, it is, like, a different kind of masculinity that I really wish people would embrace more often. Because to me, there is nothing more stronger and cooler than a man who cries and admits his feelings. It is fabulous. I'm in I'm, <laughs> all of the best ways. I'm very yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe maybe I maybe bring me around. JoJo's. Watch JoJo's. Do it. Bear, you and I can watch the JoJo's together. I'll watch Let's it with watch you. JoJo's together. We here. We will all watch it together. Uh, mainly because Allie and I need to make sure you know the correct names. <laughs> Because so, so there are a lot of names in JoJo's that in the original Japanese are based on artists, songs, yeah. or albums. Right. That they have to change over here for copyright purposes. Like Dio, right? No, Dio's oh, no, fine. Dio's um, more Dio. like uh, Golden Experience is changed to Golden Wind. Mm. Uh, Sticky Fingers is changed to Zipper Man. 
Yep. Uh, crazy Diamond is Shining Diamond. I like oh, Zipper um, Man for what it's worth. But crap. Anyway. What did they change Sex Pistols to? I forget. They, uh, sex Pistols has a really funny one. Yeah. Uh, my, my favorite is what happens when they get to Steel Ball Run. And instead of dirty deeds done dirt cheap, it's going to be filthy acts at a reasonable price. Yes, filthy acts at <laughs> a reasonable price. Some of them are honestly, like, really clever. Yeah. Some of them are That's really awesome. clever. Some of them are just like, uh. Why? That's no. awesome. That was, all right. So, no, no. So, what we will do is we will plan out just like we did. Six for bullets. Sorry, I remembered. It's six, six bullets. bullets. There you go. Um, poor Mista. Poor Mista. Mista is the unluckiest, luckiest man in the world. Um, no, what we'll do is for JoJo's, we'll do a group watch just like we did for Color Out of Space. Okay, done. Yay! We'll start with we will start with Phantom Blood because we don't skip parts. We do not skip Phantom Blood. I don't care who you are. Jonathan Joestar is my son, and I he love him. He is a him. good boy. He's a very good boy. Good boy. Okay. <laughs> he is the goodest. <laughs> that, that 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 sounds. See like Tristan. A plan. Tristan, you're a good man because you also agree that Jonathan Joestar is a good boy. So I'll Very just good boy. say what makes uh, my heart Joe- grow, sw- sw- grow, and I probably feel the same with Dan to just see Trist when you and Allie do with your powers combined, because it doesn't always happen, but when it does, it is my gosh, unstoppable. Like you guys have like a. Barra, I already know what your stand. stand would be too. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go uh, out on a limb here and quote a vine. Which is, you know, so totally unlike me. Do not fuck with me. I have the power of God and like an anime, anime on, my, on side. my side. Yeah, but I totally know what Barra's stand would be. Ooh. Your stand would be Blind Guardian. <laughs> the way it works, the way it works is that it's a close range power stand, but it has a very special ability where anyone who thinks of causing you harm randomly loses one of their senses while they're considering harming you. Can that be part of the giveaway too, is you assign the winner their own stand and its powers and stats? Oh no, no. That's It's so hard to come up with new stands now. Because there are so many. It's really hard coming up with a new original stand that doesn't do some super wacky, like, causality bullshit. I call mine Daft Punk's. Oh, that would be good. It's a it's a medium range support stand that has very little attack power on its own, but has the ability to improve anything it's touching. So, for example, if it's touching a pane of glass, while it's in contact with that pane of glass, the glass gets stronger, tougher, and more transparent. Any damage that that thing has suffered, as long as it suffered that damage before I started improving it, also slowly begins to to repair itself. When I stop contact, it maintains those properties for a short time before reverting back to how it was. So we're going to do a giveaway. We're going to do it. We're going to do JoJo's in a giveaway. At All some right. point, but yeah. first, but first we got to get we got to get you two up to speed. You must be taught all right. You I must, you must learn why Speedwagon is best waifu. You will be able to see our 
Sorry, Barry, were you going to say something? I'm just saying, Tristan, that, you know, Dan and I will go along with this, but remember, if you open this door, there's a chance that someday, perhaps when COVID is over, before, when you least expect it, we will take you to a baseball game. That's right. No! It's so boring! If we have to... We, I, I'm sure Major League Dan Baseball really, is so boring to watch! So here's the thing. I'm sure Dan and I will really enjoy JoJo's at the end of the day, but um, it's still it's still going to be a journey. If we can go on that journey, you can enjoy four hours of game. Yeah, have, you, of game. Have, you, have you never been to a baseball game? Oh, I've totally been to baseball games. Oh. Have you been to Fenway? No. Yes. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I've, I've been to Fenway, and I've been to um, McCoy, because I've seen both Red Sox and and Paw Sox play, and in my opinion, uh, minor league baseball is way more enjoyable to watch. Well, no more for us to say. You've got the sports and you've got the JoJo. I got the 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 feminism. Ew. (laughs) Also, uh, speaking of backtracking, way, 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 way back to The Last of Us Two. I know, it's been like 40 minutes since we actually talked about it. Oh my god, this um, is such a long podcast. Um, fuck all y'all that decided they don't like this game just because it has a trans person and lesbians in it. Sorry, oh, a lesbian yeah. and a bisexual woman. Fuck you. Fuck you. That's fuck you not all. a reason to give that game a bad rating on Metacritic. You're a bad person. Fucking fall off a cliff. Also, grow the. Also, I mean, to, 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 uh, if we're putting in a bow into things... I'll also add that grow the fuck up. Like, seriously. Like, if at this point in 2020, uh, a woman being in a relationship with another woman is just offensive in and of itself, that's like, come on. Like, people are allowed to live their lives. People are allowed to live their lives. And it's, and in terms of like, oh, but it's shoving it in my face. Well, if it's really a problem, if, don't if, buy the game. But like, are you really that, ch- like, I mean, come on. You're living in the world. There's, you know, you are going to see women who are in relationships with women. They're probably, you're going to have them in your workplaces. Question, do you feel this way about women who are in relationships with men around you? No? Well, I think you just might be a homophobe there, Jimmy boy. Unfortunately, though, (laughs) don't just do that standard. Because if you, because remember, Allie, there are people on the internet who also hate it when women are in relationships with men, too. You mean fucking normies? (laughs) (laughs) Anywho. Bear in mind, um, gentle listeners, if you are just coming to this podcast and haven't seen that we just came off of a podcast about She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, I don't know what to tell you, but you really should have seen this coming. (laughs) Also, if you need to, please go back and re-listen to that one so that it may soothe your weary soul. It's a good good podcast. It's It's a a good good one. This one was an amazing one, too. Um, it was good. I agree. It was good to like get back to a cast that's just like almost four hours long. <laughs> yeah, I mean this you is definitely what? the longest felt, podcast ever. But it like, felt it, right though. Right. Yeah. Well, because we there's a lot to talk about. Amen. And we talked about other things, and it's been a while since we've sort of allowed ourselves agency like that. So um, it felt right. I thank you all for joining me on this epic journey. Mm-hmm. To be continued. Uh, you can see uh, you can find us on spoilermedia.net. One word spoiler media. You can subscribe to us, we'd love that. 
on any of a number of um, popular podcasting apps. Like it makes uh, us iTunes. really happy. Yeah, iTunes. It's a very simple, free thing you can do to bring a little bit of joy into our lives. That's right. Mm-hmm. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Play. We're on Stitcher. You can get the RSS feed if that's your vibe. We're there. Um, you can also contact us. There's a uh, on spoilermedia.net around the, um, the spoiler cast section. Uh, there's a form if you want to ask us any questions or recommend something we should all talk about. If it's um, a really sure. juicy thing, we may actually read it on the air. That's right. Thank you all so much. Yeah, thank you guys for. If you sat here and listened to that whole thing, I, You're a trooper. I love you. You did well, good, you champ. Know, I have just a little suspicion that after listening to that thing, um, the two our two listeners in Ypsilanti, Michigan, will realize that indeed they are in love. And if they, even though they do not like the entirety of Father of the Bride, they can both get a good agree that this life is a bomb. Try and sometimes you'll succeed to make this man of me. All my stolen missing parts, I've no need for anymore. I believe, and I believe, cause I can see. of you and me Back when I was feeling Yeah.